Welcome to and almost starring the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And is this the loneliest character in cinematic history or what? We're looking at Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of surprised that Tim Burton hasn't sold out and made some kind of like Tim Burton cinematic universe like IP, like an animated movie that has all Edward Scissorhands and Jack Skellington getting into adventures. Although his stuff also feels like we're very overdue for one of those like an Instagram pop up trap. Um, they've got one right now for Van Gogh and for Klimt. Well, we oh, went to one for Escher. There's um, there's a, the Timber in uh, res, uh, restaurant here what? in the city. There's like a Timber in themed restaurant. There is. Yeah, there's a guy like dressed as Jack Skellington with a little puppet zero. Where? And, I don't know. Somewhere. It's a big city, my love. <laughs> 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 I don't okay. know where. Did I saw this it pop up on like replace some... Jekyll and Hyde Club, basically? Oh, pretty much. Wow. Oh, that's a, like couples dressing up as Jack and Sally to go eat there but it's sure. like some kind of prefix menu and it's all inspired by Burton characters and films okay I think so it's all of Burton I don't think yeah definitely all of Burton not just Nightmare Before Christmas but hey that's the thing if you're in New York or you're thinking of visiting you could uh go you know get all, get all of your dreams you too could go to an undisclosed location <laughs> in New York City <laughs> get yourself to a Tim Burton experience you too can get had served food by an unemployed actor. <laughs> hey, they're employed, just not as an actor. They are, by, by an actor who is currently not employed. People to used act. to go to try to get a job at Jekyll and Hyde Club because you yeah. could get your equity card doing that. I get it. I get it. What's the, what's the thing that we, I just watched that you were like, had a friend in who was like the musical, the, the, he was singing. He's like the real. Oh, bros? Your bros. Yeah, my friend Joey Taranto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he yeah. like a singing waiter, like at an Ellen Sardust diner type like thing? really interrupting what should have been not a moment for song, singing and dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he is just like belting to the gods. Joey has one of the wildest voices I've ever yeah. heard. It's um, a very funny moment. Go see bros, by the way. Bros. Uh, but we ain't talking about bros. We're, we're talking about uh, Edward Scissorhands, our uh, third film for our spooky scary movie month not including our patreon episode of course which is adam's family values a full-length bonus episode extolling the virtues of debbie jelinski joan cusack oh yeah movie and raul julia firing off that cusack cannon and the uh oh man missed opportunity for uh raul julia's uh julianne fries like some kind of uh come on julianne fry machine type you know if if he like restaurants you know next door to the uh hulkamania uh what was was postmania postmania that was the hulk's uh short-lived mall noodle shop i think ralph julia was thinking i'm going to raise my children <laughs> what, and be a, a prestige actor, actor rather a than, than hulk hogan uh, slightly and by slightly i mean wow wow uh, but yeah as as i was saying check out our patreon patreon.com slash and almost starring for adam's family values I, I mean still very fitting for halloween month we got that our first 
Patreon exclusive, a full-length commentary on David Cronenberg's The Fly. The Fly. Let me Perfect tell you, for that. one of the scariest things I've watched in recent mm-hmm. memory. Cool. Uh, it was, how, how did Edward Scissorhands fall on the spooky, scary scale for you? Like, the, at all? No. Negative? Like, no, not negative. Like, it's got slight tone to it but yeah it's not scary yeah it's not scary but i think I, and honestly with all of the winter wonderland aspect of it it's like nightmare before christmas i could see this being more line. of a christmas watch and batman returns burton loves combining his spooky yeah. with his holly jolly oh the holly spooky jolly <laughs> the ooky spooky holly i jolly. mean yeah because there is like the the christmas party in this um which there oh, man oh, the, the neighbor outfits, dressed as a tree that tree dress chef's is kiss so i feel like ben de la creme fully stole her far more up <laughs> uh up upcycled uptown just just a far more fully realized look from this film yeah. i saw i saw dela and jinx in i mean i've seen them in the last few holiday shows but when they were at the bell house and and Jinx came out dressed as a menorah and Dela came out dressed as a Christmas tree in a Naturally. in a far more drag version of the dress than this. But seeing this person just fully dressed as a tree, it's like blessings. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for this, Tim Burton. I mean, there's so much good Christmas-ography in this. I love a- Alan Arkin just staple gunning oh, the like fake snow Belt, to the yeah. roof. Uh is is a delight. We'll get to Alan Arkin. I feel like Alan Arkin got no notes from tim burton and just decided to do whatever the heck he pleased because his performance is wild to me but, but i could have also, watched so much longer of him just singing to himself having a grand old time stapling totally but i feel like he's together. he's very in one lane in a way that is effective for this character only really only seeing things through terms of like business and like someone who clearly like went to school in like the 1960s ethics kind of thing very true very true we'll, we'll get into yeah, all yeah, of this yeah, yeah, but yeah, to yeah, kick yeah. us off edward scissorhands came out on december 14th 1990 and was directed by tim burton and written by tim burton and caroline thompson amy joe what's your experience with edward scissorhands had you seen it before i had seen it but this was not one that i've seen many times you know i was a little young for it when it came out this would have been very scary i think to a child just like you know the it's it just walks that line where you're like that looks a little scary and then they're mean to him and like all this you know um so i don't remember when i first saw this probably like high school is probably when i first saw it and so i've seen it a handful of times um a scissor handful of times but um (laughs) not not that many and certainly not in um, years and years but however the aesthetic is so strong yeah that i it did imprint itself really strongly upon me. I also did, you know what though? I did see the ballet of this, oh, the Christopher yeah. Wielden ballet that was at BAM. I don't know, probably like 2007, 2008, something like that. I was in college then. I remember seeing like the review and like, that's a cool thing and immediately forgot about it. It was so great. But um, I particularly remember like Joyce, that, that dancer, oh. um, like this dance that ended in her like on top of on top of a washer dryer like just like wow. sitting on top of it vibrating we'll get like, to the synopsis wow. if you haven't seen it in a while joyce is of the neighborhood ladies is the one that is like kind of the busy bee of well and group, definitely the one who the, is like the the cougar if yes. you would go with that yeah. kind of descriptor absolutely the cougar energy yeah. uh trying to seduce old edward skizzer hands uh yeah and i 
I think, I mean, speaking of it being a little scary for kids, I think this was, this kind of freaked me out a little as a kid. Uh, just a few of the sequels. All the cuts on the face. and It's that. It was the, specifically them almost running the little brother over with the car and yeah. Edward pushing him out of the way and is just like trying to help him and his little thing cut, cutting to like the shot cutting the shot going up to him where his hands are going like dee, 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 mm-hmm. and then is getting like cut i remember i think it's like one little cut in the film i remember it just being like a slice 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 and it just being like ah 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 i mean this the power of weird. suggestion it's such a great oh, example absolutely. of that and seeing then that whole ending so i think this was one i didn't see the beginning to like with many films from me when i was younger like i would catch it on tv or like i was at someone's house and someone else is putting it on or has just put it on mm. So I've seen the back half of this movie multiple times, but not, I only saw the front half. Like, I think I only saw it from top to bottom maybe once before we watched it. And the rest was all like piecemeal. But that back half, it was like all of from that on with Jim and Edward fighting. And it's Jim, very stressful. That shot of Jim getting like stabbed. I know. Just spoilers. For spoilers. The, the full Gaston. Right. You know. He gets the full Gaston and he's just, you know, some greasy, uh, stupid bully that it's just it's very sudden that when as a kid, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, the movie as a whole is a bit of a simple, dark fairy tale, yeah, you know, so really in terms is, of like the good versus evil, the mob mentality, versus beauty and the, the beast, but they bring the yeah, beast varied. to town rather than beauty staying at the castle. Right. It's beauty and the beast. If the beast is the artist loner and the town is the capitalist masses who yeah. will crush this artist under their foot because he's too weird for the masses that's what Mm -hmm. i think we're saying here i think what tim burton is saying that this suburbia is hollywood and the machine is trying to just stamp down on tim burton's weirdness and the only thing that's acceptable is a flame van the only thing well that's what that represents michael bay that represents (laughs) (laughs) i know this movie is before michael bay but that represents the 80s that flame van represents rambo Oh, and Schwarzenegger no. and Bruce Willie. That van is diehard. And this movie is romantic and sad and weird. And delicate. Yeah. <laughs> so de- this movie is so delicate. It's a little snowflake. It's a little snowflake. So it's a weird little film. It's so interesting to revisit it for this episode. Because it had been quite some time. So spoilers ahead. Ahead. Spoilers behind. We already told you Jim's getting stabbed. If you haven't seen it, Edward Scissorhands, you haven't seen it in a while. Here's a very first synopsis. This framing device, this Ugh. this makeup on Winona Ryder is A, incredible. And then Oh, B, I, I wasn't thinking about the framing device. You think the size of the bed that this little girl is in? No, I was thinking about Diane Weist in that fabulous suit oh, and hat. I, I know, no, we start the actual yeah. beginning that I've chosen to forget. Yes. Yeah, it's like a little storybook. We, we star, or a very princess bride. I was just uh, thinking very, but. This little girl. Why not just hire Peter Falk to play old why, Winona? Oh, Peter Peter Falk as as old Kim as old Kim yeah, why not? I would love it hold me Edward <laughs> you, you can, can still sometimes find me dancing <laughs> look you are missing both hands I'm missing one eye like we can make this work uh, I said old Kim just for the I, I let's, well, yes. let me come He'll out the just gate dub here. the lines for <laughs> Winona present in the or in the earlier scenes it'll still it'll still be her but he'll just dub i think speaking of dubbing, i had been thinking about a league of their own 
and how beautifully they cast the older actresses in that. They didn't Uh, try to make up Gina Davis. They they like found someone. They literally found someone that looked exactly like Gina Davis. And then they just dubbed her. And it's like, then why are we getting Winona to be like, oh, people can barely move? Tim Burton, you think if he's the option between hiring a different actor or slathering an actor in 10 pounds of makeup, Mm, which mm, do you think mm, Tim Burton mm. is most likely to do? A good point. And when you're a movie, League of Their Own, not a movie that was utilizing a lot of makeup specialists. This movie, you already got makeup specialists. I think this movie was nominated for an Oscar for Best Makeup. makeup. You might as well also do a bunch of old age makeup. just like, how old is she? 107? if, If a day. If a day. Conservatively, darling, you don't look over 100. What do you mean 107? Oh, How can thank it be? Thank you. It's also, yeah, where in the future is are these uh scenes taking place of her reading this story? This must be like 2080 <laughs> compared to how old this woman is. Truly, how truly. old Winona is now. Uh, but yeah, she's telling this, telling this little her granddaughter this story. I mean, probably her great great granddaughter, great 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 great. <laughs> great granddaughter um but she's telling the story of yes we meet diane weist as the neighborhood Uh, avon lady we do not as a society give diane weist enough credit for being the diane beast you know she's the the woman's got two oscars and just because they're both for Woody Allen movies, we like to pretend she's got no Oscars. We like I mean, to pretend that she's not a star. And that woman is a star so who should be in more things. It's I mean, she's of, always working. She's always It's one of the great regrets of my life. I didn't see her as a rock in Madison Square Park, you know. And I got to see her as that rock. Damn. She was doing um, snippets from Happy Days, the Samuel Beckett play, where she is trapped in a rock. I did see, now move. I did see Fiona Shaw in Happy Days at BAM. But wow. I also saw Fiona Shaw doing T.S. Eliot in Madison Square Park as part of whatever that like, yeah. let's get some esteemed actresses to romp around a random New York City park doing highbrow stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which was really cool, I gotta say, yeah. for like this 20-minute-ish set that she did. And I'm just getting to see Diane Weist live. Pretty rad, not gonna lie. Uh, but we're meeting her. She's going door to door. And it's, I love it's just very lived in this neighborhood yeah. and how much everyone is always immediately it's set up so well. Cause right as soon as she leaves the neighborhood ladies, they're all talking to each other on their phone. Like, Oh, you lied too. You said that you'd like, Oh yeah, yeah maybe next time. Well, I also love that. It seems like she could just be like, that. it could be that this is a bigger neighborhood area that she's coming. She's like, hi, you're, you're friendly. Yeah. Avon lady. And they're like, I never buy anything from you. Yes, <laughs> like that know, you're my yeah. best friend down the street. <laughs> right. Like, right. why are you doing your spiel? Yeah. It is like dying. Weiss is just so lovable and so the best, but it's also like, if I knew this character in real life, I'd be like, get oh. away. Oh yeah. From my house. I'm sure that's true. And never come back. And never come back. <laughs> you know what I think is also great is that, um, even in 1990, Tim Burton was extolling the dangers of multi-level marketing. He knew. He saw what we could not see. He's we like, could not learn from. Look, did anyone learn from Amway? No, because it's no. still happening. Come on. He knew. He got it. Diane Weist, as Peg Boggs is her character's name, uh, decides to visit, which I love then later in the film. I didn't really clock until the very end of how close this giant gothic it's mansion hilarious. is. And it's like four doors down from their house. Yeah. It's like right around the corner. It's not even a five minute walk is this giant, abandoned, decrepit mansion. It's so big. It's like they're all on one big cul-de-sac. And this is like, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's so wild and but perfect for this movie. But that it's such this insular little suburban town. Like it's 
such a huge swing, but it works great because it is like it is a modern day gothic fairy tale. Yeah. And this crazy mansion, we get all these amazing hedge sculptures. Uh. She's just going there to just find someone to buy all this makeup. Uh, but she finds a lonely little Edward Scissorhands and does not run screaming from this man with literal knives for fingers, but instead puts him in the car. And I believe I said, this is where like the meme, I think it's supportive parents driving their kids to my chemical romance concerts in the, so in the early aughts of just, it is like the whole aesthetic. All these houses are like these singular pastel, like one pastel house, solids, full yeah. blue, the next house. Like a bunch of Easter eggs. And in comes sad little pasty black and white weirdo Edward Scissorhands. In leather and straps. I know. He, we meet Alan Arkin as her husband, Bill, their young son, Gavin. Uh, And we have 40 (laughs) minutes until we meet young Winona Ryder. We just get Edward kind of going gaga over her pictures. But I was kind of shocked to see how long we got into this film. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so we're like the neighbors are all clearly like they might as well have walkie talkies to oh, each yeah. other and then be hiding in the bushes with as they're driving like Peg's driving with this mysterious stranger in her car like we got to find out what's what everyone wants to know about Edward and they meet him they throw this barbecue party so everyone can meet him and it's kind of allaying the neighbor's fears especially once he starts cutting hedges and everyone's like oh you can give us your art for free. We'll accept you. Yeah. He's cutting their hedges. Then he's cutting the dog's hair. He's cutting the lady's hair. And I got to say, like, this is the kind of movie that I just have no interest in seeing today. Because today, you're not going to give me what I think is the best thing in this movie. And I know I'm being ridiculous by saying that. But to me, the best thing in the movie is imagining some guy with a little leaf blower below Johnny Depp just blowing hair tufts up. <laughs> Yeah. Every time he's cutting dog hair it's and woman so hair. And it's just today you're going to CGI a magic like, wow, look at him yeah. change that hair. And I was still there's still a lot of in camera him snipping hedges, him snipping yeah. dog's hair and women like mostly dog and hedge hair. But to enough that's it's a physical it's clearly a physical thing that's happening in camera yeah. that I'm like, ooh, that's exciting to see with these scissor hands opposed to cgi yes gobbledygook nonsense which is what it would be if you made this movie 100 percent. and there's something about how practical so much of it is that like lends to the charm too you know like yeah the leaf blower effect is very funny and it doesn't lessen the magic by it looking ridiculous like i think in, in fact it adds to the kind of quirky satirical charm 100 percent uh and everyone in the town really likes edward except for esmeralda this eccentric religious fanatic who does she like though other than jesus i think (laughs) nobody it's jesus number one spot nothing 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 and way way down here is everyone else and then way down below that is edward's is a hands is a man with literal scissors for hands and you know what she's not wrong Edward's not human. He's a machine given life. He's an automaton. We can get into whether or not the guy's got a soul or not, but <laughs> this guy, he ain't loquacious. He's not coming down and being like, hello there. I was just too scared to come visit you. He barely says two words. And honestly, I ain't going to this barbecue. I don't care. I don't care, neighbors. You're not a curious cat. You're not a curious. Oh, no, 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 no. Meow, 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 meow. This cat's trying to save all those nine lives. He doesn't get me to lose it by accidentally shaking hands with a monster man. I'll get my binoculars out and look from the safety of my own home, or I just will 
put on a I movie. I am 100% a chatty, Kathy gossipy bitch in this neighborhood that I am not come. I am th- the first one that is like pegs driving with some weirdo leather bondage guy that looks like he came out of a hell PG Hellraiser movie. I don't know about this. <laughs> and then Jim, of course, is one of the most despicable characters in cinema that we've seen oh, in man. some time on this pod, at least. Goodness gracious. Our little Baby Brian from Breakfast Club, Anthony Michael Hall. I was I was watching it just, you know, because we did Breakfast Club not too, too long ago, all things considered, you know, like earlier this year, I think. And it's just like, man, it's just like if Michael Sarah was out here playing some kind of bully in a believable way, like like just someone who's just like a lovable, sweet little nerd then grows up to be like, well, he put on some meat. Oh, yes. No, I mean, not for this. Then it was being utilized. But I think also, like, it was in part to, like, flee that. Because also the Breakfast Club was so massive. Like, I'm well, yeah. sure that he was trying to flee that image. It's like five years before this. So it is, like, a little chunk of time. Like, he'd been doing other stuff. And yeah. once again, we'll talk about him soon enough. Uh, but it is, like, so pointedly getting exactly. someone that is not like this to play this kind of bully role. And yeah. he... I think it's just because he knew either. I think it's because he was like, I don't normally get to do this. So I'm going to really run with it. That this guy, every time he came on screen, I wanted to punch yeah, him in the face. It's great. I, I felt like it was very lived in, in a way that's like, yeah, I, I don't, you're the actor isn't trying to make me like this guy. You know, he's just like going for it. You're like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yes, we finally meet Winona Ryder, finally coming in, or at least young Winona Ryder is coming in. Because she was out on a camping trip she with Jim and the other kids. Yeah. Uh, with, yeah, as I said, Jim immediately distrustful of Edward until he's like, wait, we can use his skills because he can pick locks. He can pick any lock immediately with his little scissor hands. So they get him to, br- Jim gets him to break into his own house to what are they trying to get money from his dad yeah or? his dad has a like a vault he or has that room yeah. so he's trying to like steal money because it's insured or something right so they could right. steal it it won't actually hurt his dad because his dad will get the insurance but like that way that they can claim they had broken into i don't know something like that right but edward gets caught by the police and you know to be to be fair he's he's no rat He's no stool pigeon. He keeps his mouth shut. He ain't shut. no snitch. Snitches go in ditches. We all know this. And people who get too close to Edward when he gets agitated also get stitches. Well, this is true. I was going to say snitches get stitches, but I was like, well, Edward's already got yeah. unstitched scars that yeah. probably could have done with some stitches. Heck. The town's now kind of turning on Edward. They're like, oh, and he doesn't, he kind of gets just a slap on the wrist. It's a, and, and, you know, and, and maybe it's because he's well, very white. But also, <laughs> yeah, you think? But it's also that he had uh, been, uh, Joyce had tried to seduce him and he had been yes. like, ah, so that. So like, now Joyce is telling the town that he tried to rape well, her. Well, because he also mentioned offhandedly. Like, and then, you know, Joyce showed me where the new salon would be and this and this. And then she took off all her clothes. So it's like she's doing that to kind of spin it, save her ego. Well, I don't know if the family said anything. I don't know if Joyce, I don't know if what Joyce's lies are in response to anything other than I think it's just her Her trying to be on top of the story. So when Edward is the hot thing in town, she's like, and we slept together. And when no one likes him, she's like, she's the first to be like, I hated him. him from the exactly she's that kind of person yeah edward's kind of on the outs on the town and we get 
this beautiful scene of of him carving this ice sculpture oh, and it's like lovely. the ice is all flying and it's like it's snowing for the first time and Winona is just spinning in the snow like an angel and it's like that image is like so yeah. ingrained in my memory from Absolutely. seeing this as a kid. It is iconic and with a good reason. And then Jim is like, yo, Kim! And Edward turns and accidentally cuts her hand and is just like, he's trying to kill her! He's a monster. Oh, he's terrible. It's just he's the worst. Terrible. He's the worst. And then, yeah, as I said, we get this scene. Kim like breaks up with Jim and it's fully now like it's been too, it's been not very long, but it's like, Edward, I love you. Hold me. And he's looking at his hands and he's like, I, we got a problem here about me holding you. I literally <laughs> I'm too afeard. I'm too afeard and understandably so. And I'm like... We gotta figure something out about these scissor hands. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we gotta put some mitts on these guys. Little knit, yeah, can you knit some mitts. Like, how you, these bad boys. You put up. a baby's hands in little, like, mittens so that they you don't, like, scratch mittens. their eyes. You need Edward mitten hands. Mitten you hands. gotta cover these things up. What are we talking about? Yeah, do you, like, about? you know when a lobster. Isn't a tank. I know of them, yeah. You've heard of a lobster. Well, oh, you've got to rubber band these yeah, bad boys. Yeah, rubber band yeah. them and then put mittens on them, you know, muzzle them. Well, not look, his face. Well, no, but like, the you, like knives, you have like little sheaves for them. So we Just need giant some... wood blocks. Yeah, we Oh, a giant. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, hop over to the old Bad, bed Bath & Beyond, <laughs> two towns over, and we need, a, we, can we make a custom-sized knife woodblock? Uh, it's approximately six times the size of a normal knife woodblock, uh, just for my boy's hands. Oh, my just for his hands. hands. This could have solved so many problems, <laughs> and instead we are on a crash course to tragedy. Jim is now drunk and like, drive me over to Kim's oh, place. What is that that the friend says? Is like, like, uh, like I, I don't make don't me make me drive. Me drive. He's so drunk. But he says something like. I'm beginning to think maybe she's right about you or something like that. That's this like, guy's friends don't even support It's like that it's taken you this long to realize that your friend is terrible. Anthony Michael Hall is here as if he is playing home improvement Zachary Ty Bryan for Halloween uh, <laughs> as like the biggest D-bag in planet earth and totally. he should have not i love that by the end like even this guy doesn't want to yeah. with him i feel like there's another flunky. friend that dropped off oh earlier. yeah oh yeah um but yeah they almost hit uh kevin the younger uh winona's younger brother uh edward get, saves him but in doing so cuts his face and all the town is like hey look at this monster attacking him get the wood knife block for those <laughs> hands um but he runs off before they can get this custom-made wood knife block and, and he sheathe goes, them yeah and he goes back to the mansion followed by kim followed by jim you can't be a couple where your names rhyme you really can't i'm it's, sorry it's a rule and no, if no. you are a couple in your names rhyme, you one of you best be working with a nickname. Yeah, you, know? you got to do a nickname. Like you can't do the thing like wedding singer where you can't marry someone whose last name rhymes with your first Julia name. Julia Gulia. Julia You can't do a Julia Gulia, but you also you also can't do the Kim and Jim. You can't do, uh, you know, I don't know the Marie and Barry. You can't. <laughs> what you don't pronounce that's you. you what do you? How do what you pronounce about it? Barry, Barry? and Mary. <laughs> Well, I guess, I guess, I guess you can pronounce it like that. Hey, it's me, Barry. Well, he's French. Oh, he's French. Barry, Marie. Barry. Barry. Exactly. Barry and my Cherie Marie. Let's take another sip of this. Anywho. 
our film ends with <laughs> so we this big mono-mono fight between Jim and Edward, and he don't want to hurt Jim, and Jim is just sucker punching him and throwing him around. Uh, but then Jim slaps Kim across the face, and as soon as he does that, Edward says her hands is like, "Finish! You him. gotta go!" <laughs> Knife in the gut, forces him out the window. This it's shot too, where we're like, terrifying. "Oh, it's it's good." It's, it's good. good, but it'll so. Oh, yeah. No, scary. this is again why I'm glad I didn't see this as a wee child. And showing finally how stupid this town is. They're all gathered at this dead kid. Again, the full Gaston. And Winona comes out and is found. Because in this spooky, scary factory, we haven't talked. And we'll talk about him because we're talking about him in terms of alternate the casting. The inventor. The incredible, iconic Vincent Price. Except no substitute. In his last role. His, this was his last role. His last role. What a perfect last role for the him. The last thing he ever shot was his death scene. Ah! Uh, the last thing he shot on film. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> That's how you want to do it. Yeah. And, but uh, she just sees, because there's all these inventions. Prototypes yeah, and stuff. We, well, I mean, we see early on, what, one of the worst like cookie-making inventions I've ever seen. There's yeah. so, th- these little boots that like fall down to like imprint on the cookies yeah. and cookie prints. These boots, you look at the duck. They're getting like one full imprint and the rest are like half imprints on the side. I'm like, yeah. you're missing. You're wasting all this. Du- you're wasting all this cookie real estate, my guy. This is not working. This well, is... maybe this is why he lived by himself in a spooky castle with no friends. <laughs> except for a friend cookies. he literally had to invent. Yeah. Uh, but what notice sees amongst these inventions, another scissor hand. So she's Set, yeah. covered in cobwebs and she's like, they killed each other. And the townsfolk are like, I guess we'll all go home. Well, and they certainly Joyce are clearly so like full of a lot of feelings about their behavior now that like it's come to all this uh that they they just are i think so full of weird regret and shame as they should be that they and, don't it, and question by it. weird regret you mean it's just weird because they're dressed in christmas tree dresses with cubes for haircuts partially right? that partially <laughs> that you can't have any emotion without it being a weird emotion when you are dressed like you are literally in how the grinch stole christmas. that's true it's doing a lot of work for you Honestly, kind of surprised that Tim Burton didn't do a Seuss property. I think that would have... Honestly, why didn't Tim Burton do How the Grinch Stole Christmas? I know, that probably would have been... I mean, I didn't see that one, but probably I guess would because have been better. that movie ends with the Grinch, you know, being accepted by the town, and they all sing and hold hands. And this movie ends with Edward just going back to live in his castle and remains alone for the Forever. rest of his life. We cut back to present day, and this little girl, who has been trying to go to sleep for an hour now, is like... <laughs> Great, 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 great grandma. How do you know? Asking the questions that all yeah. of us ask. Why didn't you just go Why up there? Go back? Oh, no, I'm too old. I want him to remember me how I was as a hot, feisty young Winona Ryder. And what? it's like, you could have visited him anytime. When, when we were watching it, didn't I turn to you? Or like the credits were rolling. I'm like, you're telling me <laughs> she didn't get like really drunk one night, like 10 years later. Edward. Go, Edward. Edward. I'm sorry. How you doing? You miss these. <laughs> um, you know, you're 107 years old, but Edward's got no one else up there. He'd still want to smooch you, Winona. Yeah, come on. He'd still be down. He doesn't care. He seems a very understanding and compassionate. He's not judging. If you're overlooking the scissorhands, he's overlooking your 107-year-old body, and he's down to he's down to clown. He's down to clown. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That would, hands be, that would honestly be like i get it i get it it's like we end with you know and, and she says she says it's like oh i wanted to remember him i want him to remember me how i was and she's like well how do you know he's still up there it's like well it it never snowed before he came to town and now 
it always now it snows each year and i feel like if he wasn't still up there it would no longer snow and you see him up in his castle carving his ice sculptures and i'm like what if the little girl encouraged her to like you should go see him and this ended with like a 107 year old winona just to like knock on the door and for him to open Mm -hmm. to just like see her i mean i both work you know they're both the like this both are fairy tale yeah that kind of but i mean like clearly and and, and my version does not include them necessarily getting down to clown like that was more of a sweet ending i was pitching not the before that pitching you know them finally figuring out a way to hook up (laughs) (laughs) hey you know you you doesn't got to use the hands i'm just saying there are other ways Oh man. Yeah. It's also like clearly in the like in the world of this film she like got married and had kids, you know, if she's going to have this great yeah. great 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 grandchild here, you know. Sure, so it's sure. like clearly she she moved on. Well, maybe we're doing a real Peter Pan sitch and now this this great 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 granddaughter is like she's going to go investigate the castle. I mean, if they were to have maybe tried to make a sequel, I feel like that's what it would have been. Yeah. The casting director of Edward Scissorhands was Victoria Thomas, an Emmy winner for casting HBO's Watchmen. Thomas has also cast Sid and Nancy, Amistad, Insecure, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and the previous episode, Con Air. Wow. Been a while since we had a old Victoria Thomas yes, on the show. Yes, that's like episode four or Episode something. four, exactly, if I'm not wow. mistaken. But let's move on to some of the actors who were on most cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance. And Amy Joe is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. Wow. So let's start with our titular character, Edward Scissorhands. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Johnny Depp and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else my thoughts on johnny depp in general are convoluted um but my thoughts on johnny depp in this movie are that he's very good Mm. the makeup is excellent it's like weirdly hard to tell how old he is yeah which really is effective in this i love the whole the way they've costumed him like both when they have him in the oversized like shirt and everything and when he's in his like it's like when you have an action figure that has clothes yes, on it, but clothes yes. that are also like plastic molded to their body. I, it's very, I think, very charming, very sensitive, weird, but in a very sweet and accessible way. Yeah. So I think he's very good. To me, the person he most reminds me of in this role is James Dean. Oh. Like James Dean, who was obviously a bit more like emotionally like broad and expansive. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I do wonder, like, if James Dean had been born in another era, if he would have been doing this kind of thing, you know, like he and Brando and all those guys were doing stuff that was like, that's such a new class of actor. And I feel like Depp was part of that wave of like young actors in the 90s who are like serious prestige actor type things. So I don't know. I thought old Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean, Um, Michael Stuhlbarg, um, who's not like as well-known in Hollywood, but... Um, I mean, he is as a supporting character for actor sure. from, you know, Call Me By Your Name and, mm-hmm. you know, Blue Jas- Shape of Water and Blue Jasmine. And yeah, he's, yeah. he's in everything. Of stuff, yeah. But he doesn't really... Lead. I mean, outside of his kind of big Hollywood thing, yeah. the Coen Brothers, a serious man. He usually is not a lead. But I mean, like, things, I saw the guy play Hamlet, great. you know, and great. he was a lovely Hamlet, yeah. you know. Um, Just trying to think of, like, who are people who... Because this isn't like a Keanu situation where... It's like he's not necessarily the best with text, but he's really good with his eyes. Depp is very good with text. This is yeah. more just like this is how he's being used in this film. So trying to think of people who it's like, who are people who can communicate a lot? Right. But Depp is good at 
having, and I mean, I, I think it then it kind of just became a slippery slope probably around the time of Mad Hatter and Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. but he is someone as seen with, with pirates that he's someone that can make a costume, a strong costume makeup choice that he can work with it and not against Absolutely. it. Absolutely. It never feels in all the wild costumes that he's worn that the costumes wear him. They're just so, they really feel like his skin yeah you know? and that's a special skill that's thinking of like ron perlman of how often he was working with heavy prosthetics from like the tv show beauty and the beast to hellboy and it's like because he knows how to work with heavy makeup because that mm-hmm. is a special to be able to, to create it's like puppeteering actually yeah. they talk about you know we we have one of our dear friends who um has done avenue q a number of times and like when she first did it they like send you to puppet school and you have to learn how to like bring the puppet to life like it's not just like oh i move it and i do this and this it's like there are ways to animate it you know to make it yeah. feel alive and i feel like there is a certain amount of that with prosthetics it's just a puppet on your face to a certain extent <laughs> yeah so i i thought of people who are just like very expressive with their eyes so here i thought like a young billy crudup oh would be really this. beautiful love in this it. Um, Daniel Kaluuya. I mean, talk about oh. someone who's like the eyes are just like, yeah. woo. Mason Alexander Park, who um, is like up and um, up and coming now. They're in the new Sandman series as Desire. They're oh. in that um, Cowboy Bebop oh, reboot okay. and in the new Quantum Leap reboot. Like they're blowing up oh, right wow. now. Um, but like I met them because they were in a production of Cabaret with my dear friend Al Silber and they were playing the MC. And the oh. three of us had like a delightful weird night together. Um, and so like we've been friends since then. I've just been like watching oh. Cause these aren't like properties that I'm like, I'm, I'm not like a comic yeah. book or, or an anime person in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like wouldn't have been so aware of all these things if I weren't friends with Mason, but like it's a character that feels like he's been around for who knows how long, like it's out of time. It's ageless yeah. again, not being able to quite tell how old Depp is under the makeup, I think adds to that kind of like mystery of like, you can't tell. I mean, it's kind of removed. I mean, the, the film is not, not a period piece, but not, not a period yeah. piece. They've got all the pillbox hats and everything, but they're not firmly saying this is got the TV'd, early sixties. Right. It's like, but how, how far back are we potentially yeah. but in, within that? With the flashback scenes with Vincent Price, you're only seeing Johnny Depp interact with Vincent Price. And from that, this could be any time. Exactly. So Mason has a sort of like other world. You know what? They understudied um, Hedwig on the national tour the entire time. So like, you know, like. I mean, give me John Cameron Mitchell Edwards as her hands. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then maybe like Jesse Williams just also is someone who's like beautiful, sensitive, gorgeous face you want to look at, you know, Um, and, and just, yeah, eyes that you're like. Uh. Yeah, I love all that. Just thinking about how long has this big, spooky, abandoned castle actually been here. It's kind of shocking that no one has tried to investigate this castle. Not even the ding-dang-dumb kids. Since this inventor died. And he just died. So it's yeah. like other people, I assume, he I don't know, he's got to pay property tax or something. Someone's going to be aware <laughs> this guy's dead. Someone's coming by. Did Edward somehow bury the body? Did he dig through the dirt with his knifings? Um, Maybe he did. But no, Maybe. none of these stupid kids came by just to throw beer bottles at the castle That's and be what like. I'm saying, like a full meet me in St. Louis thing where they're like, you know, we're just being kids. Oh, but no, the house, there's something in there. Now, I haven't seen Meet Me in St. Louis. Is there a spooky haunted house that these kids are okay. throwing bottles at? Well, okay. So for Meet Me in St. Louis, they do it in four seasons. <laughs> the Judy Garland musical? Yes. Okay. Jeff, Go it's on. so charming. Okay. But there's a little is kid the actor. Clink, 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 clink goes the trolley. Is this yeah. where that's from? Okay. Of course. Cool. Now, 
actually this is the one where have yourself a merry little christmas is from yes okay so just checking go on you've got see you okay. know more than you thought and this is the one with the spooky haunted house with the throwing beer bottles now look okay these are young kids in olden times. Yes. So they were, it was like, go do whatever the heck you want. Yeah, you didn't have your Game Boys, kids, and no, whatever else you're playing no. with. Because this is, this is set in like, I don't know, 1901. Yep. You didn't have your Pokemon Go. They, they did not. <laughs> Judy Garland never did get to play Pokemon Go. And I know. Now, who do you think Judy Garland's starter would be? Pikachu, Char- <laughs> Charmander, or. Uh, oh, wait. Is that with them? I'm so sorry, Evan. Yeah, previous Paige, guest. Paige or previous I know guest, that Evan Maltby. Squir- Squirtle. Hey, wait, wait, who were your potential starters? Or maybe you didn't get to choose as Pikachu. You got to choose as Charmander, uh, Squirtle, uh, Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur? I want to say. And maybe not Pikachu. So who do you think Judy Garland would have chosen? I personally am going to think Charmander. I was thinking she's Charmander, too. she's got that fiery spirit, Judy Garland. I was thinking she had the fiery voice, you uh, know? 100%. Well, I'm glad we've solved that mystery. And she looked great in red, <laughs> as so, does Liza. So meet me in St. Louis. Yeah, so basically, the, the film is broken down into four sections. It's like spring, summer, fall, winter. You know, and, mm-hmm. and so for fall, like they it's on Halloween, basically, and all the kids are like running around. They're all like dressed all scary and they like set a bonfire in the middle of the street. And it's just like what the kids do. Oh. But there is like a creepy house or like a house with like an old man in it, like that kind of thing. But oh. they're like they're like taking stuff and burning chairs in the middle of the street in a oh bonfire God. because it is what? 1901 or something. Anyway, it's not a direct one to one, but it does make me think about like, yeah, kids are just out here being yeah. stupid. You're telling me there's no yeah. kids out here like, right. oh, I'm going to go, you know, tell them why I did it. I love with the trope in horror films of, you know, everything from it to whatever. There's a spooky house. Some kids are going to investigate the yeah, spooky duh. house. Yeah. And when I bring up this trope, your mind goes to... <laughs> Meet me no. in no. St. Louis. No, look. Looking. I don't have, I, I have a breadth of references when it comes to some things and like two references when it comes to when horror, it comes to horror. Cabin in the Woods and Get Out. Yeah, and those those to me feel more high concept than what I think. I, I'm not like a, I don't watch a slasher. I get, except for the pod, except for Scream. And that even and is still, satirical. You need a you know? satirical meta slasher. I do, you I know, it. well, not, not necessarily. I just, it's just. Not I don't me. enjoy. I remember a watching either. Children of the Corn Part Two through my through well, my hands at some like party. Seems like a waste of time, doesn't it? Just I was stuck at some party at some friend's house in high school, and I was oh. like, I don't want to see this yeah. with my eyes or my ears. I don't want to take it's it in. Children of the Corn Two. Did anyone want to see it? The other people at this party. Uh, fools, fools, they are. As for me, for casting for Edward's Skizzer Hands, thank you, listener, for joining us for that diversion. It's hard. It's like Keanu does make sense, but I don't. It's a subtle performance that Depp gives. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's hard in like a film this wild and you kind of need it. Like you need him and a quiet Winona, and Winona is very grounded. We'll get to her. Which helps to not make this film just kind of completely like spin off the axis. Absolutely. Because it is like such a wild fairy that it, it feels like it's like this isn't animated because it feels like it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he's very understated, but it's still like there's a lot there going on. There's a lot of like the little looks of there's a lot of yeah. childlike wonder in Absolutely. his performance that works yeah. really beautifully. Opposed to just kind of a blank slate i also feel like keanu reads so contemporary so much of the time whereas yeah, like this yeah. kind of out of time thing i buy a bit yeah, more off that's depth. true yeah it was hard to think of anyone else because i was like I, for the time i was like me 
I could see the Christian Slater version. It's just like For you got to sure. just sand off those modern Jack Nicholson Remember, didn't inspired. We just edges. have a conversation where we you're did, like, where he I love his not... contemporary energy, yeah. but I wonder if he was really specifically directed to, directed to. Because yeah. I don't. Well, I mean, with a director yeah, I mean, like Burton, yeah. who and has Prince a... of Thieves is a very different I film think than they were Edward all just trying to get by there. As much as Johnny Depp was up for Will Scarlet in Prince of Thieves and would have been more successful than Christian Slater, 100%. I could see it. I could see it. I'm like, you know, the age is right. What if you get someone, speaking of someone that knows how to make heavy prosthetics work, what if this was the career launching role of Doug Jones? So I was thinking oh. of Shape of Water, of like how amazing he is. With that's a and with really that. interesting idea. We're two, we're three years away from Hocus Pocus, where he plays uh, what's Billy, his, Billy Butcherson, yeah, yeah. and he, where he's like, it's not really, it's a character. He's not like I forget if he even has lines. He's mainly a stitched mouth guy. But I'm like, what if, what if you gave if Doug Jones was your Edward Scissorhands? I'm interested in yeah. that. Yeah, he might be too tall next to Winona because I get it. I get that you can look at the two of them together and be like. Of course, they're dating in real life now. Yeah, just I was young, watching this just being like, couple. "This is this is very like the cool goth kids." If it wasn't for the scissor hands, uh, yeah, when he's got his hair all nice and combed in the flashbacks of Vincent Price, you're like, "Yeah, this guy just needs a bit of sun. He's doing <laughs> great." And then you look down, and you're like, "Hey, maybe some hands would help, or at least just get rid of the scissor hands. Whatever replaces them is fine. Just something that's not tools." Chainsaw of hands. Well, I'm just saying, like, even if he had, like, hooks, I'm just saying if he had, like, whatever. This guy doesn't need, like, hand, quote-unquote, hands. Right, right, right. Just something Uh, a little less, um, murdering. Yes. Something that can't accidentally cause murder. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and made more recently, I'm like, I could see the Rami Malek version of this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, I mean, really, if this was being made today... It's Timothy Chalamet. It's just going to be Timothy Chalamet. The hair is already there. You don't even need to give him the wig. The hair is already insane (laughs) Edward Scissorhands hair. But that's who you're getting, Uh, which will begin a one-to-one for me. And I'll explain what later. But starting with Timothy Chalamet, it's a one-to-one for a certain film that I'm just taking that cast and plunking them into Edward Well, interesting, because I have never seen him in a movie, so this will be an interesting journey for me. That's true. Uh, so, at the time of his casting, Depp was wanting to break out of the teen idol status, which his performance in 21 Jump Street had afforded him. When he was sent this script, he apparently wept like a newborn and immediately found personal and emotional connections with the story. In preparation for the role, he watched many Charlie Chaplin films oh, to study the idea of creating sympathy without dialogue. And he is absolutely inspired with the walk. Didn't I? I was saying when we were watching, I was like, yeah. what is it that his walk is reminding me of? And I, and don't, I was like, I feel like it's Chaplin, but I'll wait to say so that. I want to say, I'll say it over the pod. Yeah, which is so there. And I mean, I think it's a really good performance. Yeah. You know, I think the film works because of it, that this yeah. does kind of for a role that I forget the word count, but he does like the amount of lines he actually has is so small. Yeah, he has a few more like longer sentences in the middle when he's feeling confident and less attacked, you know? Right. And then he just doesn't speak. So it's a special skill to be able to not have that get drowned out by all of the just just the visuals of the film uh is is difficult and also he is afforded it with the the camera time with like the close-ups to show him viewing things to show him taking in information and what he's doing with it and like the arc that there is of the character of getting accustomed to this world and then having to leave it because of his love for Winona is sold in arguably the space in between the lines you know 
Um, and I think he does it really well. So as for the other actors who were up for the role, auditioned multiple times, Jim Carrey. He did occur to me and just like that. This is like the kind of thing that I could see them being like, I'm not sure. Let's let's find like some weirdos for this. You know, yeah. we are to give context. We are two years after previous episode. Earth Girls are easy. And this mm. is the year of the first season of In Living Color. So Jim Carrey is still relatively not well known. Yeah. The idea that if he had this similar thinking also a long ago episode jurassic park if he had gotten ian malcolm of what that wow. does differently to your career rather than being like all right you're on in living color you are an incredibly gifted comedian finally what breaks for you is 1994 dumb and dumber the mask and it's ace ventura all in the same year and then it's just off to the races of like yeah. well that's what you do and you can kind of work against that but everything you do that's it's not that is going to be that specifically viewed as a diametric opposition to the usual big wacky yeah. slapstick rubber face comedy that you do. So it's interesting to imagine because I think I see it, but I don't see it in regards to the rest of his career. Like I can't imagine him doing Edward Scissorhands and then doing The Mask and Dumb and Dumber and Ace yeah. Ventura. And he is, he is a really good actor, but he's also when you think about like what he does that no one else can do, it is that like wild rubber humor, you know, like, yeah, other people could have done the mask, but it would have not like, there's a reason that he like became so huge. Cause it's just yeah. like, no one else could touch him for that. Yeah. Tom Cruise was considered apparently Fox was insistent on Timber in meeting with Cruise. Timber and said, he certainly wasn't my ideal, but I talked to him. He was interesting, but I think it worked out for the best. Yeah. A lot of questions came up, which apparently Cruz A asked for a happier ending. Sure. And when he was being considered, he asked a lot of questions such as, how did Edward go to the bathroom? How did he live without eating all those years? And like, part of me gets that. Sure. But it's also like Tim Burton is like, I don't care. It's, That's it, not what's interesting. No, to me. and it's also like it's a it's a it's funny a fairy tale. It's a funny old thing of like as an actor, there's a certain amount that you have to know. But like this is why like when teachers or actors get hung up about like I have a process that I use every time. To me, as an actor, I find that detrimental because not every script number one requires the same things of you. But also like if you're putting too much attention in certain places. And not in the other, like, it's just going to imbalance the style of what you're doing. And something that is a fairy tale is not concerned with those things. And like, sure, maybe think about it, but like, it's not, it actually, there's no way that that is going to impact, maybe not no way, but it's just like, that's, right. that's not where your imagination and your attention should be. There are things that should be like, when I did Fun Home, I was extremely obsessed with everything to do with Alison Bechtel, all the books in every frame of every comic. But then again, looking back on it, I was like, oh, well, so was she when she was writing the book of like, she was obsessed with the house and with the photographs and this and that. It's like, just kind of doing like, what, what do I need to help tell this character's story? And for Edward, it's like, well, he's still alive. So he's clearly not eaten many peas that are on his plate. Like they, he's rarely eating anything at dinner with them. He's more eating as like a social interaction than as like something he physically right. needs. So it's like, and I get it's not reading on the page. That. Now all the neighbors are feeding Edwards all these spoons. He, he, yeah. he keeps getting food and it's like, okay, so he can eat. Like I understand as of an course. actor being like, so what does that, does he need the food? But it's also like, but is that, how does that affect I can understand, I, or maybe that does affect like 
is this like I need to throw this up immediately because I got nowhere else for this food to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, I do get it, but, but it's I'm also, also like, like cruise just coming in with that cruise energy. Yeah, that is just I. The idea of cruise and Burton teaming up is it makes no sense to me. Bananas. Uh, and instead, in 1990, Cruz was doing Days of Thunder, working with old Nicky Kidman, which was the year after Born on the Fourth of July. So he was coming off a very hot film, his first yeah. Oscar nomination. It's a big time for Cruz, but I think ultimately for the best. Did he ever win an Oscar? Not yet. He was nominated for uh, Born on the Fourth of July, Jerry Maguire, and Magnolia. Hmm. Yep. So it's been some time since Cruz. Uh, well, was when you're spending all your time learning how to like skydive, he's or not getting nominated for Mission Impossible, nope. and he doesn't need to because uh, you know the Mission Impossible movies are a lot of fun, and they don't need Oscars. And honestly, if he's having a good time, good for him. And that's the thing, even if it's good, there's no role or film I can think of that's the this is Tom Cruise's Oscar-winning performance that I care no. to see. No, <laughs> I don't need to see Cruz play. I Anything. don't know. <laughs> and Tom Cruise in the life story of Andrew Lloyd Webber. I don't need that biopic. Okay. okay. I don't I don't need the man behind the cats. <laughs> the man behind the mask. Uh, no. I think I don't need, I think I don't need Lloyd the man Webber's... behind the man behind the mask in the Andrew Lloyd <laughs> Webber story. Tom Cruise, no less. Tom Cruise. Um, no. But what I do kind of wish that I could see is gary oldman's edward scissorhands he oh, turned it wow. down weird to imagine weird to imagine indeed he, gary oldman's always someone that to me has always been 45 agreed to 60 you know agreed and even though like there are even thinking of like sid and nancy which i forget when it is maybe 85 maybe 86 wow even it was that, that still... soon after everything went down well, well okay maybe maybe 88 but either way it was the 80s yeah uh, because I remember that being like the first. I was thinking a bit Gary how, how Depp looks a bit like Sid Vicious in this getup, like just a little bit, like the kind of like oh, well, the, all hair the straps is, and the is hair is completely modeled after uh, uh, what's his face, the singer from The Cure. Is that like oh totally big old pile of curls, big old pile, big old pile of curls? Uh, Oldman found the story to be absurd, but understood it after watching quote literally two minutes of the completed film, which I uh, get from yeah. the script, especially if you don't know. You have to have seen Beetlejuice. If you know a particular director or or like even right. for like in a musical type thing, if you're like reading something, you don't have demos and you don't have, but you know, like the composer's style or, you know, like the director's aesthetic, if it's someone with a strong aesthetic, that's going to help inform so hard because otherwise you're like i'm not sure where this lives tonally you know but like what a great example of like depp reads the script and he's like it means something to me so like that should be the person who's playing it absolutely uh robert downey jr was considered and i get thinking of his earliest stuff thinking of less than zero (laughs) well thinking of chaplin absolutely and like two years after this but like less than zero the stuff that like he could do some really subtle emotional work. Oh, yeah. I think he's a very um, fine actor. He's just always someone I think of as there's a bit more wink to his performances yes. than Depp had at this stage. Well, I think back then there was a less of a wink to Robert Downey Jr. Mm. And I, th- I think it was still that was part of the like the smarmy charm that he could in a good sense, yeah. the smarm charm that he could work in like those Hughes-esque yeah, films. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I could see it. I could see it. The screenwriter, Caroline Thompson's favorite choice was John Cusack. Well, instead, in 1990, he's doing The Grifters. Much better use of John much, Cusack. Much, 
Cause it's I like, and I get it. And I get, it's a 1990. I get thinking like, Hey, what if we get someone who's been doing a lot of rom-coms in the past few years in the eighties? Yeah. And that's the story we can at least, cause it is like a bit of a hard sell of a film, but when you do have like, Hey, the guy who's real on every, you know, teen totally tiger magazine whatever yeah. johnny depp from 21 jump street you're and and here's winona Ryder from heathers which is like a cult classic and beetlejuice it's like i get what you're trying to do to sell your film and i get the john cusack version of that where you're yeah. getting like can we get some like latter-day brat packers to kind of move some tickets but i don't want it what i really don't understand is uh william hurt expressed interest a 1990 William Hurt. My face just squished up like a confused raisin. I like body heat is like 1981, and William Hurt with his mustache and receding hairline is like already too old then in yep. body heat. Yep. Yep. Very peculiar. Instead, in 1990, he was doing this movie, I Love You to Death, which part of me kind of wants to see. It's uh, Kevin Klein stars as Joey Boca, a philandering pizza parlor oh owner my God. whose wife, Tracy Ullman, decides to kill him with the help of her brother, River Phoenix, her mother, Joan Plowright, and two ex-convicts, William Hurt and Keanu Reeves, or as the trailer for the film calls him, Keno Reeves. Keno! Keno! And Dame Joan Plowright. Dame Joan Plowright. The idea of William Hurt and Keno, and Keno Reeves Keno. as a like a buddy pair of convicts. The idea of Kevin Klein as Joey Boca. All right, that the philandering pizza I'm parlor. I'm sold owner. on that and that alone. <laughs> hey, it's a me, Kevin Klein. A Joey Boca. I don't know what's happening. Uh, Michael Jackson expressed interest, though Burton did not meet with him. So I at least I get it. I don't. Hey, I, I get, get it. it. I get it tom hanks turned it down yeah i mean he's still so young at this point but i i still feel like i mean he'd be he'd be good but there's just he he's he's so like grounded as a human that like that's why he's always playing like dads and like real like salt of the earth type you know like not fairy tale kind of stuff you know i mean his fairy tale is forrest gump of this simpleton exactly. meeting everyone through history you know I, I i can't see it uh apparently uh john depp said in an interview that he and tim burton got along really well they had a very similar sense of humor but he wasn't sure because of course it's their first film working together and would go on to the beginning of a beautiful version oh, ed wood sleepy hollow dark shadows trauma trauma factory it's right, like they, Alice in wonderland they literally cannot stop working yeah well i guess as of late they haven't made a movie in a few years i don't think well i think johnny depp said probably well he's been busy with other things work and other um but he uh he wasn't sure if burton was happy with his performance uh so he said there was an incident involving some fans he said i can remember when we were doing scissor hands we were living in this sort of resort some kind of country club thing and there was a knock on the door one afternoon while everybody was off rehearsing. There were two young girls at the door, and I thought, oh, they found me, and maybe they want me to sign something? I don't know. So I opened the door and said, how do you do? And they said, hi, is Tom Hanks here? Does he live here? I said, what? No, not yet. And <laughs> I was convinced that Hanks would be replacing me. I was convinced. It was one of the most frightening moments of my career, uh, which was unwarranted, as he was not being replaced, and two randos just came up. 
seeing hey, if one of the people that was up for the role happened to actor? be there. <laughs> is right. this other actor here? Yeah. Instead, in 1990, Tom Hanks was doing The Bonfire of the Vanities and Joe versus the Volcano. So not a great year for Hanks. No, although I do think Joe versus the Volcano, that that actually is a great example of like him and more of a fable type totally. thing. Totally. Yes, which is still... But he's still very he's, everyman in it. He's the everyman and exactly. everything else is the crazy. Whereas As opposed this, to... yeah, Which, you know, Roger Ebert gave the film this film two out of four stars in that it's like everything is the craziness like he's nothing there's nothing to satirize when it's like there everything is like weird like if the town wasn't also such weirdos then it could be a little easier for the satire of true although i i think they're just slightly heightened really i you know? i well i agree with you but uh, i do understand yeah, yeah, yeah. uh and the point my point being that tom hanks is like if in this kind of story he is the one that all the craziness would circle around him that he is not the like which it does circle around edward that yeah. edward is really not doing much he's he's just trying to He's just got scissors for hands. Just trying not to stab holes in this waterbed. This waterbed. You could just put him on the couch, Diane Weiss. What are you doing? You're gonna ruin. What your are you gonna do when bed. she comes back anyway? Like in two days. Well, I assume they, they, you know, they would have then been able to. She'll get in the afternoon. We'll see her and explain. Opposed to she gets in. No, early but I in the meant like, where was he gonna sleep then? Just put him there. And I assume he'd sleep on the couch. But for the yeah. time. You're going to have, you know, knife hands McGee just in your daughter's bed. In your water bed. But let's move on. Let's move on to our villain. Let's move on to Jim. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Anthony Michael Hall and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Look, I think he's very effective. I like him in this, meaning I hate him. Oh, I hate this guy. It's an excellent bully performance. He's the worst. He and man- his outfits are terrible. Yeah. These but shirts he's still are like, dreadful. He comes in and he's got an electricity to him. Like True. the the fire on the side of the van is also behind his eyes. <laughs> you know, he's coming in. Hey, and Hey, guy, look me in the eyes. That's what I want you to pee on the side of my van. Do it. Um, so I have, you know, I just have some other like bullies, really. Like this is very reminiscent of Thomas F. Wilson and Back to the Future as mm. Biff. You know, we just watched Lost Boys last night. So I was like, oh, well, Kiefer Sutherland. Like he's isn't he also in he's he's a bully in um isn't he in Stand By Me? He sure is. Yeah. So it's like he's giving yeah. that. I, I feel get like it. that would work. Um, this are made a little later. Skeet Ulrich, you oh, know. I mean, honestly, if Kiefer Sutherland is playing David, his vampire character from Lost Boys, mm-hmm. if that's like if Edward Scissorhands versus vampires, <sighs> if he's got to stake them through the heart, like you just attach. You just, yeah, put the wood blocks the, on, but they're the, the wood blocks on. But they're the shape stakes. of the stakes, so his fingers are just as dangerous. But now, specifically, only to the vampires. Vamp- well, not only to vampires. No, that's I think true. That that's still, true. I think a lot. Can... Take a lot of people down. <laughs> A lot of people down that way. That's the tricky thing about killing a vampire that also kills a human being. You're like, he was a vampire. This stake killed him. Like, uh, sure, my guy. Um, But yeah, you're getting a lot less like shaving cuts on your face type thing. You're getting more just like you got to really intend that. Um, Yeah. 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 I mean, I didn't have didn't have a ton of thoughts for this because it was just not like he's really good. And I, I, I get it. It is. I don't you know, honestly, like I think there's like so many character actors who are just like longing to play a bully who'd be great you know um but it was hard for me to imagine them all in this specific tone because it is like a bit of a one-note character yeah on the page but yeah he plays it his just like dismissal of everyone else and his like hatred of edward like it's very deeply seated and played it's not just like hey 
I just don't oh, like no. you. It's a very successful performance of what I think on the page is a is one a, note it's, as a character. fairy tale. And then there was the mean Absolutely. boyfriend Again, who hated Edward from Gaston. the start. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I said it before, and I'm sure I'll say it again before this <laughs> podcast episode is concluded. I mean, yeah, I can see LeFou just being like, Gaston, I think everyone is right about you. Yeah. I'm too drunk to drive this Le- horse Don't and make buggy. me drive this buggy, right. Gaston. 1990, I can see Brandon Fraser in this. I think will be very yeah, successful. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was made earlier. I can see a Bill Paxton is giving me like the energy where it's like he is he's the bully, but you've also purposefully got Anthony Michael Hall. So yeah. getting like a weird an energy that's like this guy is never before or since gonna play a role like this. Yeah. This wasn't one in the long line of toughs that Anthony Michael Hall played yes. in film. Uh and to that end, made more recently, along with Timothy Chalamet's Edward, I'm gonna get his ladybird co-star lucas hedges someone who also oh, does not read as tough no. but with his little buzz cut hair i see him just being like i don't care that i'm built like a chicken i <laughs> am chicken. i'm you're gonna get away from my girl put me in a Chalamet. letterman jacket nobody will notice exactly as for the actors who were considered crispin glover audition oh well talk about getting yourself a weirdo you know well, and talk about getting yeah george mcfly from back yeah. the future you're they getting clearly someone got, not used to playing they clearly we're like we want someone who once was on the receiving end of the bullying and yeah sean astin turned it down as he was not comfortable playing a villain like this was what they wow. were trying to do somewhat not always because ding 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 Kiefer sutherland was considered hey you know I, they're I like but what if we just went with a guy that we know does the thing well, what if a guy just did the thing what if well, instead of getting rudy we got the guy that did the thing what if instead of getting one of the goonies we got the guy that did the thing uh <laughs> You know, villains, the guy that did the yeah. thing. Like Sean, I get it with Sean Aston. Like I get yeah. I, I get what they were are going for with this against type sure. turn. And that part Because of it, you know what yeah. it does is it also immediately, by just like the very nature of doing that, if you have a a good enough actor, that's immediately going to deepen the performance. Cause it's something it's not a thing they can just like roll out. Like I will admit, sometimes I get asked to like do a concert or do a reading or something like that where it's like roll out my villain shtick and like I try to deepen it and make it, you know, roll out your evil queen. But that's what I'm saying. I've done that a lot. So like it's easy enough for me like I know how to hit it. I know kind of what voice to use, what kind of pocket to put it in. And I don't want to say that I'm just like phoning it in because I try never to do that. But when the script is giving you not a lot on the page, it's easy to go in the back pocket of what the thing I've done before as opposed to if you're having to figure it out for the first time it's going to have more kind of shimmer to it it's very true that's a very good point river phoenix was considered for this role which is very interesting to me yeah Corey feldman was considered speaking of uh lost boys river phoenix and keeper sutherland while i was thinking of stand by me oh yeah a better film (laughs) um yes yes by far lost boys still quite fun oh i had a good Um, time but 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 I, i wouldn't say it's a classic in the no. same sense. instead in 1990 he was voicing donatello in teenage mutant ninja turtles hey. so there you go a major part of my childhood there you go and once again literally so sorry to the one guy that would actually grow into a bully type jerry o'connell but will wheaton was also considered for this role <laughs> jerry so literally, o'connell at the time though was not giving you know nah, what I mean? well i don't know by 1990 i'm not sure when he That's became true. like the big slab of beef that he did by scream 2 <laughs> um but jerry o'connell not up for this role but will wheaton was which really was like he is in season three of star trek the next generation where he is his nick his name should just be nerd alert like he <laughs> every episode is just him being like wow 
well, Picard, what about this? And Patrick Stewart being like, I swear, I will slap this little kid if he doesn't shut up. Uh, so instead, uh, yeah, 1990, he's in season three of Star Trek The Next Generation and in an episode of some short-lived show called Monsters. It's like Monster uh-huh. of the Week anthology show called Shave and Haircut Two Bites, where he has oh. to convince his friend <laughs> Matt LeBlanc that the local barbershop is run by vampires. Shave and a haircut, two bites. Two bites. <laughs> With baby Joey. Baby Joey Tribune. Wow. Uh, let's move on to Kim. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Winona Ryder, and who would you cast if you had to go someone else? It is early 90s Winona. She's killing it. What more could you want? What more could you want? And also, like, it's so interesting having her in this, like, blonde hair. Yeah. Because it also just, like, by this point, I don't know because I was not, like, a... I mean, I was alive, but I was not. Well, I was not aware of Winona Ryder in in 1990, so I don't know how much people like were aware of her. But I would, I would well think between Heather's and Beetlejuice, pretty aware, I right? Think I think pretty aware in the way that like Christina Ricci when she was young, people were like, yeah, she has just like you know, kind of what yeah. the look is, you know. So to see this like Heather's girl and Beetlejuice didn't do the business that Adam's family did, but. People knew who yeah. Winona Ryder was. I think a lot of people. And they knew she wasn't like this. Right. A lot of people going to see Edward Scissorhands would probably yeah. already know what she looks like. Right. So like taking this like not full goth girl. She's not Ferruja Balk, you know, but like taking this like more da- uh, like dark hair, dark, like just vampiric kind of look and putting her in a blonde wig opposite when johnny depp isn't full leather and straps and you know the cure hair it's it's an interesting (laughs) kind of twist because like we know on some level that she belongs with him because like the vibes are are right even if like she's not presenting that way right yeah that we like we know under that blonde wig you you're just uh you're just a lydia deets lydia deets would love to be with edward yes you're a weird little goth kid we know it (laughs) i just think that there's something happening subconsciously there interesting at least for me i get it i get it um the person who's most um close and like most for the time um that i was thinking of was kate winslet Ooh, as far as someone who was like, yeah. who would kill this? Also, just thinking like it's basically what she does in Titanic, right? You know, insofar as like the the romantic journey of like being yeah. with kind of a jerk and then like moving to someone else uh, in a way that's like, oh, actually, like by choosing to be with this person, I choose to free myself of like the person that I thought I yeah. was. You know, I mean, a Titanic one to one. I mean, Kate it's not Leo bad as your Kim and, and then your Billy Zane, Billy as Zane Jim. as Jim. You've got Kate, Kathy Bates in the Diane Weist role, sure. Victor Gaba in Gaba. the as the dad, perhaps. Maybe yeah. maybe Bernard Hill as your inventor. <sighs> Bernard Hill. Or um, yeah, I think uh, I think you can do it. I think I think, I think we've cracked it. You can do it similar age i mean she was not like a known entity at in in 1990 but renee elise goldsbury i think is about the same age as winona Ryder, and she's wild isn't that crazy to think about like when you see someone who's like well i I came to know you when you were a fully like formed like human and artist i think she had children by the time i knew i'm gonna really break 16 years later yeah exactly with hamilton yeah that's when i'm gonna finally really find 26 years later Right, because it's not. It's right. 2016 right. not plus 2006 to 2016. Yeah, You're so right. 
She was in Good People before that, and I'm sure she had other things, but she, they weren't like Hamilton things. No. They weren't like, oh, not because of Hamilton. You'll be in Girls 5 ever. Yeah, and she's now in that She-Hulk attorney at law show. She's great. She's I, great. Have you She-Hulk. been watching it? Yeah, but no. I just watched the newest episode I just think it's this such morning. a funny title. <laughs> well, of course. Well, of course, because but that's part of... Yeah, because that's the, the name of the comics. But part of the the show is also dealing with that. Like that's what they just start calling. She's she's Mark Ruffalo's cousin in the show. Okay, and but she accidentally, you know, they get into a car wreck and like so his blood and her blood get mixed and and because that they're related she she's now a hulk but the she's the, a hulk the world calls her she hulk and she's like that i did not choose to be called she hulk she literally has to go to court to then claim she hulk as her name because because jamila jamil who plays this evil influencer starts selling she hulk products because she didn't license her name so then she has to defend like nope now i am she hulk so it becomes a thing and the show is like a very meta e sitcom. Sure. Uh, so it's aware that She Hulk is a ridiculous name. Anyway, great. Renee Elise Goldsberry. She's great. Is very fun on She Hulk. And she's she's very funny and very um, I don't know a, a very like beautiful actress of a great depth. So I feel like yeah. she yeah. would have been lovely. Just thinking of like who who are actors who were working also when they were like kind of teens or early twenties like mm. Mila Kunis. I could oh, see for this. Yeah. It'd be really I interesting. Um, I like her more now than I did in her teen years, but like Tessa Thompson is very good. I think if yeah. we get more Tessa Thompson's acting level. Because you're thinking now, of Tessa Thompson on Veronica Mars. Where, to be fair, she also didn't have the best right. character and perhaps right. direction. Yeah. So, you know. Thinking of Veronica Mars, Amanda Seyfried. Oh yeah, that's I great. think would really cry because it's like that's the two colors. She does of this that performance. tone really. She's really someone well. that you need to buy. Yeah, you're in with this crew of idiot jerk, but also kids. there's more to you, kid. And underneath that is this beating heart. Where that's you know that's why you know Edward doesn't rat on them. It's because he's like why he's like why didn't you say that it was us? And he's like like why did you is it or she or that it was that he knew that it was Jim's house because they say yeah, that yeah. this guy stole Jim's money house. from Jim. And really, it's just Jim's parents' house. And it's like, well, why did you do it if you knew? And he's like, because you asked me to. And she realizes, like, oh. He's in love with me. He loves me. And maybe I love him. And then this is a very different. I I don't honestly know how well she would handle, like, some of the, like, lighter, kind of more satirical elements. But certainly the dryness that I think Winona brings, you also are getting from Selena Gomez. Like, she's definitely got, like, the kind of. Interesting. The sort of when I think of like Winona when she's not in full like capital R romantic mode, but when she's more just like tossed off and everything, there is a similarity there. And I think that that would I don't know. There's something interesting there. I I don't fully know that I'm hundo on board with it. But at the same time, I think you get something interesting out of that. I dig that. I dig it a lot. The only other person I have for this year, it's not quite. But give me Mir Sorvino. Oh, that's what wow. I'm interested in. I, I feel like Mira. she'd slot right into this kind of fairy tale, this modern day fairy tale mm-hmm. aesthetic of the suburbs of this, like, because that's the thing. It's like that this is like not realistic. This whole suburb setup. It's not. It's not. And I think I think uh, old Romeo Michelle's Mira Servino would slot in really nicely. As far as my one to one with Ladybird, this is Sir Sharonin, of course, as our Kim. Great. She is one of our best youngest actors working today. I mean, I Well now of, she's like fully in her thirties, but you know. If that if if that she is Sir Sharonin is still in her twenties? 
I mean, she was a b- 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 baby doing atonement. That's like, true, I'm gonna, and I'm I saw look that as an adult. I'm going to look it up, because what I do know is Saoirse Ronan has been nominated for Oscars, at least for Atonement, Lady Bird, Little Women, and Brooklyn. So I believe she's a four-time Oscar nominee, and she was born in 1994, so, so, so she is almost, almost 30. 30. She'll be 30 in two years. You know, I try not to compare myself to others, but sometimes you do rather <laughs> want to just like Well, you know, we can't, all be Saoirse, we can't all be Saoirse Ronan. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for my famous cousin, Saoirse Ronan. You know, we don't... <laughs> We don't meet up often, you know. We've but all, when you at, do, at it's the Ronin a reunions, we, uh, we throw every year. Our Irish brethren don't normally make it over across the pond. But, you know, when we do... Oh, yeah, you have a we, great uh, gab. We really, we really get along well, you know. She's a, she's a cool cuz, that <laughs> Sir Sharon. <laughs> I am in no relation to Sir Sharon. Uh, but maybe I am. I'll go check on Ancestry.com. Anyway, made today. I know you haven't seen her... I don't know if you've seen her or anything, but for those who do know her, if this was made today, Anya Taylor-Joy. Well, the eyes. I know what she looks like. Perfect for this. Yeah, and it's the eyes. It's also, I was re-watching. I, I watched last night in Soho Listener, and I wasn't crazy about it. And it was on HBO Max. So I was like, maybe I'll re-watch last night in Soho. I re-watched the first uh, two-thirds, and then I was like, I'm good. Uh, and I enjoyed it. It's it's just a very technically brilliant film, as are all of Edgar Wright's films. But it just wasn't it wasn't doing it for me the way most of Edgar Wright's stuff does. But she is, as always, so good as she is in everything. And I think she would slot really nicely mm-hmm. into this world, into this role. Tim Burton wrote this character as a popular cheerleader, pretty much the antithesis of Winona Ryder. Uh, he said he laughed about how weird it was to see her in this outfit he said it was so funny i used to laugh every day when i saw her walk on the set wearing (laughs) this little cheerleader outfit and a Haley mills type blonde wig she looked like bambi and minota felt really weird of course you know she's done beetlejuice to tim burton yeah that's one of the things that really started really put her on the map but also b is a great movie and i'm sure based off the people that have worked with burton so many times yeah I assume he's a good dude to work with, even if he can be a little weird. And even if some actors thinking of Alec Baldwin and Beetlejuice that can be like rubbed the wrong way by Burton. Well, I wonder if Alec Baldwin maybe has rubbed people the wrong way. What? What do you mean? How how could you besmirch poor Alec Baldwin's character? Uh No, I'm sure. I'm sure that Burton is just, was just like, oh, God, why did I hire this man? Please stop talking to me. Please don't ask for my lunch money and beat me up, Mr. Baldwin. Um, but uh, Winona said that Kim was like the girls in eighth grade who called me a weirdo and threw Cheetos at me. I had a crew cut and I liked the sex pistols. That she apparently felt very uncomfortable in with in these clothes, yeah. in this wig, in this look was really she. You're like I've become the problem. Yeah, but Burton said, you know, that he. It's what I counted on. Just like in Beetlejuice, I needed somebody to ground the movie so it wouldn't spring off into the stratosphere. Yeah, and I do think this film would be helped if she came in a little earlier than For sure. forty minutes. I think that that's um, absolutely true because everything, like all of the, the town gets to know Edward. All of that is she great could be present and very for. fun. But in terms of like the emotional through line of the story, like this is the thing, like I get why this really hit people at a young age. Yeah. 
because and when you're seeing at that age that I was experiencing, I feel like a lot of people were, you experience movies in the broad strokes. Yeah. So you can like buy a romance over the course of two days with only because like they look at each other and they filmed them looking at each other so perfectly that as a yeah. kid you're like oh, it's love claire danes and leo <laughs> exactly oh and you're, and you're looking love. through an aquarium wow oh it's love and there's fish in the shot she's um, an angel whereas later you're like is she really in love with him this has been no time at all it's like surely there's other men besides jim just because jim's the worst doesn't mean you gotta go with the scissorhin boy you've had two <laughs> conversations with the man um but i <laughs> I, as a kid, I get it. I, get it. Uh, I think they're all selling this really, really well. So let's chat about the people who were up for Kim. Right off the bat, Drew Barrymore audition. Oh, that makes sense, but she's too... Now look, Drew Barrymore, I know, has gone through it. When she like got out of rehab and, and you know became like more the Drew Barrymore we know today, she's yeah. much more like actual Kim than like what he's trying to do by subverting it with putting someone like Winona in there. You know, like I get that. Also looking at the kinds of stuff that she would pick to do in the later 90s. Like she's she's doing Ever After. Winona's right. never done something like Ever After. You yeah, know, that's true. Yeah. To go from Ever After into Never Been Kissed yeah. into like 51st Dates or something. Oh, no, or? I was thinking early. I was still thinking like late 90s because then once she hit the aughts, then it was I mean, you got Wedding Singer. Oh, as right. far as your Adam Sandler rom-coms. I forget there's something else or something blonde. Oh, thinking of previous episode scream of of her in that that like yeah. i i do see it and because of the blonde wig and scream like i absolutely I, i'm getting it i do get it but i love that we got winona sarah gilbert was considered for the role but the producers of roseanne would not allow her out of her contract so i wonder if burton was interested like with the character of jim of playing against yeah. type for this role i mean that's well, what clearly Winona's it's doing. Winona, yeah uh leah thompson was considered for uh, Edward Scissorhands, but she was doing Back to the Future Part 3 in 1990, as was Elizabeth Shue, also considered for Kim. Hmm. With a lot of people who are have a lot more credits than Winona Ryder had yeah. coming into this film. Alyssa Milano. Yeah. I mean, no one is so far better than Winona to me, yeah. you know? Jennifer Connolly. Okay, all right. Now, now, now no, no, we no, have no, a no, ding, no, ding, no. ding. Now we've got a contender in this yes. corner. Winona Ryder. This and in this is Jennifer Connolly. Labyrinth, Jennifer Connolly. Because she Jennifer tangled Connelly. with a goblin king. Does that put her in good fitting to hey. find her way through a Tim Burton picture? She's such a fine actor and always has been. I mean, you look at Labyrinth and it's like, she's how old in that? And she's. No bringing it you has know jennifer connelly ever done the blonde wig that that's the litmus for this character it's it's you need to be a brunette that can pull off the blonde uh. <laughs> and that's it. like because jennifer connelly i think i mean that's the thing, at the end of the day it's not like the most complicated character no 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 tim burton has never been accused of writing too complicated female characters no as with many of our male celebrated male directors you know chris nolan he ain't ever getting the like when are you going to write a complicated character for a man, Chris? Never, never really having a problem with that. And Tim, I mean, he's, you know, not like they're non-existent, but 
this in terms of his more complicated female characters it's not edwina scissor hands it's not but wouldn't it be so much hotter if it was yes uh oh man if you're getting <laughs> baby like, kate blanchett is edwina i mean i was thinking gina davis or something like that, you know Ooh. i mean i'm just picturing her in the, yeah. in the like yeah. cat suit Come on. yeah ali sheedy now people, that makes a lot of people come, uh, imagine makes, this like john cusack and ali sheedy is because so, this film does feel like here are the actors who are going to be taking over in the 90s yeah not here are the actors who, who have been who have had yeah the 80s coming into the 90s is interesting it is and it's it's as as burton was also kind of like gaining some kind of ascendance it does make sense that he would like want to bring people up with him rather than just like use people who already had their own their own thing going on if that makes sense partially yeah partially it does partially i wonder if that with burton it's it's easier to work with someone that you can that's you can sculpt into your vision more because i feel like that's tim burton all the time i feel like tim burton is always like this is the vision i need actors that can kind of fit into that vision vision." but that sound means it's time to play a quick round of two truths and some guy or this week's case two truths and some person because gender is dead the way it works two of the following actors were up for the role of kim and one was not and amy joe is to guess which is which your options are uma thurman molly ringwald and julia roberts uh uh uma i'm sorry that's incorrect mm. I mean, they were all making motion pictures at this point in time. You made it. was in that dangerous liaison. I know. I saw it a lot. You saw it. I saw it a lot. All right. Uma, Julia, and Molly Ringwald. Ringwald. I feel like, well, you either put Molly Ringwald in the troop. Suddenly, this is the person who's going to be guessing. Okay. Uh, you either put Molly Ringwald in that trip me up because it's like, hey, I got John Cusack. Hey, you know, or you put Julia Roberts in the trip me up because, you know, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I'm gonna go Julia Roberts. Uh, ding ding ding! That is correct. As far as I could tell, Julia Gulia Roberts Julia was Gullia not Ro- up Give her her full Christian scissors. name, Julia Gulia Roberts. All right. Imagine if this film was exactly as it was, except Edward Scissorhands was played by Al Pacino. <laughs> but that he's still so soft-spoken he's just like hold me i can't but we're, we're talking like 1992 what when was sent of a woman like 92 94 yeah That's we're talking he, like 1992 the actual hoo-ha yeah the began you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> just imagine this hair i mean Pacino's hair today is it not edward <gasps> scissorhands hair? oh you got a beautiful haircut hey look out <laughs> I knew it was Jim's house all along. Um, yeah, it's him is him cutting the neighborhood's woman hair is is him in Devil's Advocate negging Charlie Theron. It's like, <laughs> oh no, you gotta, you don't want to hide these shoulders. You snip, 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 snip. Yeah, it there is. There we go. But yeah, Molly Ringwald and Uma Thurman both considered. Um, and like, I get, I get it, I get both. It, I mean, it was so many, so many of these films. Because I think Molly Ringwald was also up for Lydia in Beetlejuice. It's like also so just, much in the late 80s, early 90s that like, woo, that Molly Ringwald, does she veered left instead of right? Yeah. But it's also just such a reminder to all of us who are involved in this business called show that everyone auditions 
for everything yeah. and only one person gets the job. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, actually, you're too on paper right for this role. I want someone who seems a little not quite center of the bullseye for this because that's going to tonally shift my kind of quirky movie in the direction I want it to. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the inventor. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Vincent Price and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I love him. He's just so great. And what yeah. beautiful casting. Truly perfect casting. The people that I have picked are all people who it's like, I kind of want it to walk that line of like, am I supposed to, is this guy supposed to creep me out or am I supposed yeah. to be endeared to him? Which is exactly Vincent Price, right? We're like, yeah. I love you. Should I, you know? So I have the obvious Christopher Lee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The obvious, not for 1990, but much more like now, Christopher Walken. And then yeah. uh, the in the future, Javier Bardem. Uh, just people who are like, I like you. Is that a problem? <laughs> Is that a problem for me? I love all of those. It is to me the thing I was thinking of because this is like such spot on casting yes. and it's so for the people because I didn't know who Vincent Price was when I was a kid. I, yeah. I remember this character because that was also one of the things that freaked me out was the shot that, oh. that last flashback with the hands. Hold, yeah, the, the hands. Oh, and then suddenly the scissors are just like piercing through these. It is upsetting. These fake hands as it, it's like I, I conflated. I remembered that image happening first and then Vincent Price is his eyes going wide and then and then like falling as if that was the cause oh. opposed to this, which is like, oh, he's having like a heart attack yeah. or something. He's going down. And Edward is just like kind of like I'm just reaching forward and my fingers are piercing the hands. Yeah. And now you have fallen with the hands in their ruin. Also, just this close up on Vincent Price's face as he's like the way the the beauty of all of those wrinkles on his face, like going from like the up to the down, just like how expressive his face is. And and you go back and watch Laura. You go back and watch him in Laura, one of his first film roles. And he's just like this fresh face, like the taut skin and everything. Uh, and it's like just to see like how he became him over time, you yeah. know, is like a really, I don't know. Yeah. I love it. I love the usage of him. And I love being like, we're just going to do a close up on this actor's face and it's going to tell us everything we need to know. It is the good version of stunt casting because that's yes. what you, if you know who he is, you're bringing you get it. all of that into this film. And with if it. not, he's bringing it just by existing, you know, like by, Very true. by like, yes, that's a great example of casting yeah. exactly to type. Yeah. Also, Christopher Lee, I was like, if you want to just get like someone from the Hammer horror yeah. era, you could get like Frank Langella. You could get Peter. Oh, Frank Langella's great for You this. could get Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing oh, died yeah. in 1984, I think, or, or there. Either way, he was still alive at the making of this film is mm -hmm. what I checked. So you yeah. could get him. You're not bringing that good baggage with you, but give me an Ian McKellen here. Yeah. Actually, thinking about this and thinking about Ed Wood. Like Martin Landau. <gasps> yes. Fantastic. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Martin Landau. That would be excellent. Yeah. Or if you make this today uh, with my Ladybird casting, give it give me Broadway legend Stephen McKinley Henderson oh. as this inventor. I uh, thought you were saying get given today. And I was like, but Jeff, Christopher Plummer is no, already no, dead. No, <laughs> no. Well, he's not in Ladybird. <laughs> He should have been though. Um, no. Or Lois Smith. She's in Lady Bird. She oh. could be the inventor. You could have yeah. female inventor. Um, but Stephen and if, if you're yeah, like Stephen Kinley Henderson's great. Who's that? Well, in film, he's credited as Stephen Henderson. And you've seen him, if not in Lady Bird, in such things as Dune, the film of Fences. But regardless, Stephen Henderson, a 
be- a great beloved character actor. Yeah. Uh, We've seen him on the American stage. We should have. Times. Like, honestly, like this guy should be playing Santa in a film yes. or something. Even if it's like a Hallmark something, someone cast Stephen Henderson as Santa. What a jolly man. But he'd be a very good inventor. Um, but this role of the inventor in this film was written specifically for Vincent Price. And as I said, would ultimately be his final feature film role. Burton, I find that very poignant. Well, I mean, Burton watched all of Vincent Price's films as a child. I'm sure. And the two wound up becoming very good friends um, before Vincent Price passed, which is very touching. Yeah. But uh, Tim Burton had a second choice if Vincent Price turned him down, which was Leonard Nimoy. Okay. All right. I love that. Absolutely. I love that. Also, there are, if if you're just looking for like, gee, I'd love to see all these great like character actors of like this, like of that era, like yeah. of, of like the 60s, 70s, go do yourself a favor and watch Columbo because- <laughs> <laughs> They're all on it. And because yeah. the the layout of Columbo is such that you watch the person commit the crime and then it becomes a how is Columbo going to catch them? Not who done it. But how is it like this cat right. and mouse? Every single episode is that. So they're not trying to bury their big guest star in a Which list of like, who could it be? gimmick for a show. So you for get a crime all procedural these, yeah, show. Yeah, you get these yeah. amazing scenes, long scenes between well, great actor Peter Falk and, and so Leonard I mean, Nimoy and um martin landau are both in episodes the same like i think back-to-back episodes and i believe well martin landau plays Plays twins twins, you told me right right and then leonard i've only seen the one episode with with dyke who would also be a great inventor great but i would be down to watch more columbo and especially let's do the martin landau episode i want to see martin landau as twins yes which it's got to be one of the twins did it but which one which one which tells you they're both probably pretty nasty if you can suspect them both you know what i'm saying oh then that means it was both doesn't it well, not necessarily, Jeff. I'm so just it was both. <laughs> All right. Well, watch the Nemo episode then. <laughs> Nimoy. Uh, so he was in, in between Star Trek V and Star Trek VI in this year. It was like literally like sandwiched right in between. Wow. So he was still coming to a theater near you in terms of like what was like Leonard Nimoy still in things? Like, yes, still Yark. like fully Spock on your screen. Spocking it up, baby. Spocking it up, which is kind of wild that there was a 90s film featuring that cast just thinking of that the next generation patrick stewart that's on tv i forget when that first film was because i never was a big star trek guy but the fact that that initial series was like the late 60s and we still have movies coming out in the 90s um but good for him good for him r.i.p leonard nimoy but i dig it if we couldn't gotten to vincent price i would have dug it but let's move on to bill boggs amy joe your thoughts on old patriarch of the boggs family alan arkin and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else i just think what he is doing how it's written and how he's playing it is so funny because it is so like archetypical in like in the way that they're all archetypical but heightened it's like he can't talk about anything without it being like a lesson on capitalism and a lesson Mm. on like how to be a good functioning cog in the wheel basically you know and it's to me like this character is in in the way that the women are more colorful more comedic in a way commentaries on it he's just like straight down the line in a way that i don't know i found very like a little scary and very entertaining you know so i really i really enjoyed him in this um i also for a different time in his life have christopher walken here 
one um, hundo. And then I also, yeah, I was just like, I just want someone funny who I like want to like take direction from. So I was like, if this were like today, Andre Brower would be very funny for me. Yes, I would like that a lot. It's a weird role because it is of like, we very understand the viewpoint of Diane Weiss' yeah. character of taking this boy home. And we understand Kim's viewpoint of having this guy in the house. I never really got a clear picture on old bill boggs yeah view i think of this guy a bit house. of it is this like well it's what the wife wants so i'll go along with it then i kind of want even even more of that way yeah. i i feel like there's a bit i don't know if i need more of the like clueless dad like blase of like wow whatever she said hey she's the boss am yeah. i right <laughs> all those hack jokes yes right that, that the, the dad makes that like the 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 movie would know as a joke or he is like a Christopher Walken and is just a bit of a weirdo that yeah. that it's more of the like, hey, w- that he's tooling around in the garage with a crazy invention and is just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. There's a, ki- a new ki- another kid living in my house, whatever. And this kind of feels like it's a foot in both worlds. I it's totally weird, hear you. It, I feel like the role on the page is a bit weird. And I feel like Alan Arkin is trying to do both things. Yeah. And I think he is successful at trying to do both. But to me, it's a weird, I, I just didn't know moment to moment where I'm like, okay, now, Edward, you've clearly heard this altercation, the scene of him making the ice sculpture for Kim, and yeah. he accidentally slices her hand, and he, he storms off because Jim, Jim is like, you know, being, yeah. a, being an a-hole. And he's just like, all right, I'll look for him. And he's so blasé about it that I'm like, he's either a bit of a weirdo himself, or He's like aware of what's happening and is kind of like, it ain't my fight. I don't care one way or the other. And I'm begrudgingly going to do the thing. And it's not either. I read it almost as more column B for me. And also just like truly like your job as the actor in this role is to be the archetype of like this is the role I'm supposed to fulfill in society. Like, like when you look at like different eras of filmmaking and what people are like purporting to be like the dream or like the goal, you know, like there, there was an era where it's like, yeah, you're supposed to go out. You're supposed to make your money. You're supposed to be a good citizen to this. And this like this very post-war kind of sensibility. And he, it feels like to me, he on the page is meant to represent that and be like, well, I heard that, but, you know, like I'm going to choose to not yeah. even think about it. I'm just going to go do the thing. I'm not I'm going to let the kids work it out amongst themselves. I'm thinking about my golf swing. Like, I agree. That kind of thing. I 100 percent agree. And if it's the first, I agree about walk in and I throw in a Christopher Lloyd that if you just yeah. kind of like clueless dad energy, that's just like you're not getting how serious the situation is, my guy. Um, but if you want that. Yeah, I think I'd love Michael McKean here. <gasps> I love that is giving me Absolutely. just what I want. If this is made later when he's more well known, 10 years later, give me Chris Cooper. Yes. I think will be really, yeah, really yeah, yeah. spot on. Or I'd love a Richard Jenkins. Mm-hmm. I'd of course love a JK Simmons. We always do. The whole like, now if you find a bunch of money in the street, what do you do with it? Edward yeah. a, yeah, you know, you keep it. B, I- you buy gifts for your friends and family. C, you give to the poor. D, you go to the police. All that scene. Yeah. But it's so thi- exemplary. One of the things about. that I think I really like about Alan Arkin in this performance is how ordinary he is. How like how he's saying that and he totally means everything, but we don't it's funny because we're like, dude, you have no understanding. Like you're you're so you're kind of like a block of wood, you know? Like you won't 
actually perceive what's going on around you. I feel like Alan Arkin is not ordinary enough as an actor. I see. So it feels, if you get his Glengarry Glen Ross co-star Ed Harris in here, then I'm like, okay. True. I guess I should add the caveat ordinary within the slightly heightened world that we're in sure yes yeah i i, I get it's it it's tricky though it now that we're talking about to, it it is yeah. tricky yeah um and to continue my one-to-one with ladybird give me tracy let's if this is made modern oh day. okay i love that <laughs> i love it because that alan arkin is so good as kind of a befuddled oddball in everything from Little Miss Sunshine to Glengarry Glen yeah. Ross and Argo and so many things. I love, love, love Alan Arkin. I Fairy mean, Tale Theater, the, jump, the Emperor's New Clothes. Wait until dark. This man was gold from the jump. From the from the literal jump and from, wait until dark. Oh, from the jump scare. From the jump scare, wait until um, dark. But but like of what I actually want from this, like Tracy Letts is kind of dead on. I agree. I think that that is, that's really great. Because he's specific type of suburban he's dad He's playing energy. suburban dad, but with the heightened like tonality that we're we're looking for. I see the layers because it's like you're you're having to play within this cartoon world. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be hard, I feel like, to find the layers within that opposed yeah. to just being the type yeah. that lives in the cartoon world. And that's what I feel like this this role right now is just the type. The way that Diane Weist, who we'll talk about in one second, uh is able to transcend oh. that. Because it'd be yes. very easy for that role to kind of just feel like clueless like mom slightly energy. flighty. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but she's a Diane Beast, so she overcomes it. She's the um, Diane Best. She is the Diane Best. Uh, so that's what I wanted from this is Tracy Letts or any of those other actors. Uh, though I love Alan Arkin. He said when he first read the script that he was, quote, a bit baffled. Nothing really made sense to me until I saw the sets. Burton's visual mm. imagination is extraordinary. Well, that's the thing. Like sometimes on like in, in a theatrical production, usually the first day is a meet and greet and a read through, but also design presentations. And they are so important and unifying everyone to know what kind of story you're telling because like sometimes you're doing a show that often at least in my case you're doing shows that have been done before but we need to know kind of like what is the particular vision of this particular show and like i remember doing a show one time where we didn't do design presentations and like we were not on the same page as the director and we started getting our costumes we're like what on earth is this like it just wasn't tonally doing what we thought it was doing yeah and we all had to have like a talk with the director and the, uh, you know, the producer and everything. Cause we've been, we'd done a couple of shows. It was like a summer stock thing. So we'd like been doing other stuff. And you know, the, the director was like, I should have like explained to you all the design elements before, because then we would not be having this problem. I just didn't think to, you know, cause it wasn't like a bigger theater where you're doing all of yeah, that. We didn't have a design through Like what you, uh, this guy's got scissors for hands. Like I, no, it, but I, mean, I saw like, no renderings. Like I didn't know that's what I was yeah, going to be dealing with. But like, but seeing, like when I worked on Kinky Boots, like they would show up, well, they would famously show all of the like the drag queen costumes, like all yeah. those renders, which were incredible. And like one of the guys who's now playing uh, one of the leads in Moulin Rouge was joking. He's like, yeah, we've never seen any of the renderings for any of our costumes, uh, like the factory guys. He's like, I'm pretty sure we're going to have to supply our own wardrobe. So he kept, he kept calling it like the phoenixes and the pigeons. Oh, and we're just yes. the pigeons. But it's true. It's like, That's oh, yeah. Hilarious. I'm sure Greg Barnes did all those sketches, but never in any of our show and tells right, did we right, see those. Right. It was always all of oh, the fabulous that's so, stuff. That's so funny it's like you that's a, such a, an important part of the show it's like also like to show here's the status quo and here's how it gets up and absolutely 
I think we I think we would see them for like yeah. Stark Sands character for for Charlie and that sort of like we'd see them for the leads, but we didn't see any of the ensemble stuff. But we saw all of the ensemble drag queen stuff because it was like, yeah, of course, that's what everyone wants to see. We want to see what shiny things you made. But all that is to say, yes, to see visually like what someone is like what lens they're putting it through would be so helpful in understanding what on earth you're being asked to do as an actor. Very true. So as for the actors who were up for this character, right off the bat, Dustin Hoffman was considered. Interesting. That weirdly makes sense to me. It does. It, but I get like small role for yeah, Hoffman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is like just saying wait until dark. I'm like, oh yeah, Alan Arkin has been in the biz since the late 60s. He did that movie with Audrey Hepburn. He sure did. But he wasn't a two-time Academy Award winner. Correct. At this point in time. So... I get getting Alan Arkin opposed to like getting Dustin Hoffman feels like that really upends the movie for me in a way to for have sure. an actor that then big. It also like gives, yeah, Diane Weist's role less weight in a way. Like, yeah, it, it kind of throws it off funkily. Yeah, but I get from a character standpoint, I, I get, get it. Tom Skerritt was considered for this role. Captain, the captain, an alien. Oh, I oh. know. No, no. Uh, John Saxon, who's also probably best known for Nightmare, the Nightmare on Elm Street series, who's uh, Heather Langenkamp's dad. I think he's maybe a sheriff. I don't know. He was considered. I mainly wanted to mention him because in 1990, he was in a series of films that each sounds more incredible than the last. Go on. Aftershock, where an alien visits Earth during World War III, learns <gasps> English by absorbing a dictionary, and meets good and bad Earthlings. Blood Salvage. Twisted tale about a crazy preaching redneck named Jake who kidnaps people off the highway and performs medical experiments on them. The Last Samurai. No, not The Last Samurai <laughs> with Tom Cruise, you fool. The Last Samurai, which follows the trail of a samurai ancestor, two Japanese businessmen on a quest for spiritual fulfillment, arrive in, you guessed it, Africa with a group of tourists only to get kidnapped by the local guerrilla leader. And John Saxon was in this movie, The Final Alliance, which is about a drifter played by, you guessed it, David Hasselhoff, <laughs> and his pet, you guessed it, Puma, who stand up against a motorcycle gang. David Hasselhoff and a Puma are standing up against a motorcycle gang in a small American town. The Hoff and a Puma. <laughs> the final alliance between, which is the title, and it's clearly the final alliance between man and beast, Hoff and Puma. Puma Hoff. So that's what John Saxon was doing instead of Edward Scissorhands. And I honestly can't tell you if I had to choose between being a part of one film, the, you know, really? widely acclaimed really, Edward Scissorhands, Jeff. and being a part. He has a Puma. Maybe if maybe if Saxon had the Puma, then I'd be like, you got to do the Saxon. You got it. You got it. I don't know what his roles in all these films are because he was he was a very he's a character actor. He wasn't the lead of any of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't playing the Puma. So what, so what no, I'm no, probably real Puma. <laughs> Roy Scheider was considered. Oh, I for mean, this role. I Which, I see it. I see it. Yeah, but that's like, I, it's a tricky balance. Yeah. Where I'm like, to me, I think Alan Arkin is a little too weird. And I think that these guys are a little too straight laced, a yeah. little too pedestrian. Yeah, I agree. Harvey Keitel was considered. Wow, I know. Wow, and but I'm but Harvey like, Keitel is such a good actor. Yes, that I feel like mm, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. I, I'm seeing it more. He is usually such a 
intense yep. actor that's a little like, oh, should we be scared of this guy? But like, I can kind of see it. But what I can really see is our final person for this role, Harry Dean Stanton. Yes. Yes. Who? I knew, of course, first from Fairytale Theater. Theater. Who was he? Rip Van Winkle, of course. Of course. I mean, that was a guy born to play Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> if ever there was that someone born to play Rip Van Winkle. Who simultaneously looks like he has slept for a thousand years and has not gotten sleep for a thousand <laughs> years. But let's finally chat about Peg. Amy, Joe, your thoughts on Diane Weist and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I am always... Always so happy. We are a beast for the Diane Weist. Just she's she's so present in (laughs) everything she does. She's never not just like fully invested. Yeah, she's so heart forward in her like slightly neurotic take on everything. Just like always so hopeful in the face of stuff that's not going well. That's like a thing that I think Diane Weist does better than almost anyone else. It's like she's like I'm really in a spot, but I'm. I'm trying to make it better, you know, like, and she's just so endearing because of that. It never in anything that she does to me anyway, feels like cloying or like too much. You're always just like, Oh, I also hope the best for you. I also hope you, I, I, I wish you'd found some other route than Avon, you know, like, but you'll look great. Look at your little purple suit and your pillbox. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It really is like the fact that like I at the end in the story, like if I was that little girl, I'd be like, well, what happened to the mom? Because yeah. she was one of the most interesting characters and she kind of fell off in the yeah, back end. Why aren't we resolving Peg's storyline? We didn't get a lot of Peg in the third act. What it's happened very to true. Peg? Like how does this fallout affect her? I mean, she gets the great little scene and she takes such a perfect pause, like a long pause in that like last big scene with her and Winona Ryder talking about Edward when he's gone. Mm-hmm. When Winona, when, when she's, Winona's yeah. got the, the cut in her hand and she's like helping her with the cut. And then she takes a long pause just before she's like thinking about like, maybe I shouldn't have brought him down. Not like that's better for him to never have been down here, but like the fear of like, if something's going to happen to him. And, and it would have been my fault. Yeah. She, and she makes that work so well. And because yeah. Winona doesn't come in for 40 minutes, so much of the front half it is feels, Diane Weiss. It absolutely is centered around her, which is why it then feels weird that we're like ending so much on one. Not weird, but not weird. But like, I want to know what happened with Peg because like we we put so much. It's really like this mother son story. Want, like they don't get a goodbye, Peg and no, Edward, if I'm not mistaken. They don't. Like, I want them to have some kind of moment. Of even Peg being like, like, no, Edward, stay, stay, stay. And Edward being like, I have to leave because now yeah. things are getting weird or now like the I'm getting accused yeah. of a thing. And I miss like, it, it. Oh, it's that. It's that when the, when the son almost yeah. gets hit by the car. It's like, that's like the last time I think that they see each other. Yeah. And it's, she's getting, oh, the crowd is bustling her way. And, and she's get, also like trying to figure out what happened to Kevin, you know. Exactly. And when you were the storyteller, Tim Burton, that's less important. When you were like, you're moving pieces on the chessboard, you know. But it's like, but. Don't you but under- seeing that's it like- and having an actor with such warmth and humanity like Diane yeah. Weist, which I can see this on the page, kind of just reading like is a bit funny, which it is. Yeah. She is. She's the Avon salesman who's going door to door at a haunted mansion. Yeah. Is funny. But it's also Diane Weist. Yeah. And you're like, I want to see more of yeah. her and the back, back half of this film. But that's also a perfect time to announce our new sideshow, North by North Weist, where each week <laughs> we break down. <laughs> 
an iconic Diane Weiss performance. And a non-iconic <laughs> Diane Weiss performance. Because you know what? They all are worth talking about. Well, the films might not be iconic, but, but the Weiss is. is. So we love it's perfect casting. Yeah. As far as like other people who would also like be good. This is so different than what she did in Beetlejuice, but I do love Catherine O'Hara. Yes, and we know oh, that course. she's got the heart. I was thinking of her in Home Alone. Yes, At various exactly. times watching Diane Weiss. Again, the mother-son thing Edward. and all yeah. of that. Like, I, I think that she'd be great. This is an actor I don't know that I have ever recommended on the podcast. And writing it down, I was like, why have you not recommended Annette Benning before? Oh, but like Annette Benning, great. Yeah. Typically plays someone with like more like, ah, like grit with this. Yeah. But at the same time, like, <laughs> I think that you that would work in the same way Burton has kind of like subverted everyone else, yeah. you know, like to have someone who like has that backbone, but she can't express it. Yeah. Like it's not acceptable in this neighborhood, you know, so she's got to like be softer, you know. It I, wasn't a perfect one to one. And to be fair, I, of course, would have excluded the lead. But I, when thinking of Chris Cooper as the dad, yeah, I was I was Beauty. doing a one to one of American Beauty. I was yeah, thinking yeah, of yeah. Benning. I was like Wes Bentley as Edward Scissorhands. Hey, he's got the dark intensity. I love Wes Bentley. I get it. I get it. I also now have like maybe like an Amy Ryan, someone who I never really yeah. thought of until I saw Only Murders, Only Murders. and I was like, actually. She's great. She's oh, so funny and has that lightness and like that depth. Thinking I've seen of her on the American stage. On the American stage. Um, thinking of like now, like this yeah. would be this actor now, not around. I mean, she'd be way too young then. But like thinking of uh, Reese Witherspoon in like Big Little Lies. Yeah, it's very that you yes. know, Which just is wild to like Reese Witherspoon. I would guess is older today than Diane Weist was making Edward Scissorhands. Oh, absolutely. Which is bananas. Yeah. Also the way of how we were wearing our hair and yeah. uh, how we a, were. Hair, a wig can Wardrobe change and hair. Your life. But you it's know? like, right. Well, I mean, it's not, I mean, listener, surely when, when you look at pictures of your parents and you're like, wait, you were 27. Why did you look, why were you wearing that? And but why I was also your think hair like that? A lot that? of people in their twenties don't, know how to dress themselves still like they they people grow into it and learn how to like style themselves in a way that sure. makes sense on them but so it's funny also having just watched the lost boys with diane weist of like of how much like the young the short hair helps age her yeah. into mom mom yeah absolutely and then my other thoughts were like if we went more with actor comedians I can see either like Maya Rudolph or Amy Poehler, like as yeah. as comedians who are also good actors. Yeah, I could see either of them being being very funny and like heartfelt in this role. I agree. I agree. I do see the Kathy Bates version of Peg that mm. I think would work mm-hmm. really well. I am kind of wanting a Shelley Duvall. The Dooves. I want the Dooves. I think it would be really good. Well, she certainly got that like. The light, flighty, anxiety I kind of. I see Shelley Duvall adopting a scissor boy into her household. I see not Shelley Duvall as an actor doing it. Shelley Duvall the human doing it. She's a, She adopted Hulk Hogan into her family in Suburban Commando. Hey. And I think it would work here. And if it was made today, I'm completing my one-to-one of Lady Bird by putting Laurie Metcalf in this role. Okay. All right. We love. We stand. And it would we dream. Great. Laurie Metcalf and Tracy Letts' parents. Oh. It would be perfect so diane weist was the first person to sign on 
Tim Burton wow. said Diane in particular was wonderful. She was the first actress to read the script, supported it completely, and because she is so respected, once she had given it her stamp of approval, others soon got interested. It's huge. That's huge, you know. Woman's got an Oscar. Woman's been in multiple like hit films at this point, and to have her, and it it helps when it's like even if the back half she kind of falls off. It's such a showy role for her at the beginning. Yes. Like it's such a great showcase for her. Absolutely. Um, that I get why as an actor you'd be like, oh, I would love to be a part of this. Yeah. Um, and whether or not, because Batman was the year before, so I could understand like by the. Batman probably has not come out at the time that you are reading for this. Yeah, so absolutely. really it's like maybe Beetlejuice came out. Otherwise it's just Pee Wee's big adventure. Yeah. And that's a lot to be like, what is any of this world? Cause yeah. there was no other contemporary of Tim Burton at this time that I can think of that was making films like this. No. Cause like I, if I'm to think of like who is in the same kind of ballpark, like the closest to me and it's not in the spooky world, but like, like a Wes Anderson kind of someone who yeah. is doing something that's like bordering on twee, very strong visual language. And all the films have a unified, like you would look at that and go like, well, that's a Tim Burton movie. That's a Absolutely. Wes Anderson movie. Like the very visual. I mean, I mean, you're going back to like Kubrick in terms of like the visually specific yes. auteur. Absolutely. We're just like from a frame. You're like, or oh, like well, that's this movie. Hitchcock, who everything was mapped out right. within an inch of its life. Absolutely. And for this kind of modern day live action, dark fairy tale, Tim Burton was the only one yeah. on the map. And so I get that if you haven't seen it, you don't really know what it is you're looking for. It could be a hard sell. Um, and I'm so glad that Diane Weiss was so oh, on board because she's, so, she's good. so good. I have always remembered her performance. I've always remembered that as well as her in her little pillbox hat. Just be like, Avon calling, just knocking at the mansion door. And just the juxtaposition of sweet little Diane Weiss just like going through the spooky mansion like, hello, is delightful. It's so cute. And one other person that it could have been instead unavailable as she was busy shooting quick change was Gina Davis. Interesting. I mean, he just worked with how, her on Beetlejuice. How old is Gina Davis versus? I mean, they're. I mean, I would assume that Diane Weist has at least six years on Gina yeah. Davis. Would be my guess, but I'd say it's not much. More I don't than think that. it's actually that much. As as I think about, like you know, Hannah and her sisters was like eighty three, eighty four, and Tootsie is also early eighties, and like Gina is a little bit younger, but like. I think Diane Weiss isn't that old. Later. I think her sister is 86. Really? Because it's the wow. same year as Jaws the Revenge. Right. And I think that's 86 or 87. <laughs> well, because Michael Caine no, was famously shooting Jaws the Revenge. I know how you got there, but it's still. He couldn't accept still his Oscar. All right. Anyway, Gina Davis, love the idea. But yeah. yes, definitely. But I like Diane. Diane, Diane Weiss just we has more Diane. mom energy than Diane. Gina Davis. She's got the mom energy. So those were all the characters I found other casting options for, but there are a few characters we didn't mention. I want to briefly touch on them. Kathy Baker as Joyce. I mean, so great. So good. Uh, she saw this character as the perfect chance to break into comedy, uh, which she started her career in the right stuff and has been in, well, just not as familiar with this person. Uh, oh, wow. Picket Fences in the 90s was her big thing. 88 episodes of Picket Fences. I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, wasn't thinking Mr. Banks. She's been in a lot of things. Cider House Rules. Uh, so it wasn't in a ton of comedy, it looks like, post this film. But uh, I think she's, she's very funny. So good. So dynamic. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was one of the other things I remembered from this film, having seen oh, it as yeah. a little bit of baby, bitty baby, baby uh, was her seducing Edward and how 
I was like, this is a weird thing to be watching. Yes. I was probably like nine. Hmm. I was like, this like, is happening? strange. Conchata Farrell as Helen, one of the other uh, neighborhood busybodies. Adore. Who many people know from Two and a Half Men was uh, one of their biggest things amongst others. Uh, I mean, all, it's all really, it's a really well cast. Really well town. balanced, really well cast, well calibrated. Yeah. And I didn't think we needed to mention in the main roundup because we don't need to be thinking of who, what's a different little kid actor to play this role. But I wanted to mention Robert Oliveri, who played Kevin. Who's great. He's great. And it could have been a different Kevin. Burton wanted Macaulay Culkin after sure. seeing Uncle Buck, but he was too busy shooting Home Alone. And I think we're all the better for it. Yeah. Yeah, this kid is pretty much this and Honey, I Shrunk the Kid oh. and Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Those were his big things. And then he got out of the business. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Stay I away. Hope you're getting some residuals from it and that you are sane yeah. and living your life. My yeah. But you work very well in this film. Yeah. Little kid actor. So final thoughts, Amy Jo. Final thoughts on Edward Scissorhands. Anything we haven't touched on in this, admittedly, very, very long, long episode. episode. Yeah, I think we've we've said a lot. I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad I revisited it. The visual language, still so strong. Performances, pop, 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 pop. Um, and yeah, I had a good time. I love it. Uh, I'll end with two little bits of trivia. One is that some of the topiary that Edward makes in the movie can be seen permanently at the New York City restaurant Tavern on the Green. Oh, I know. And early in the film, there is a shot of a little blonde boy on a slip and slide yeah. in the suburbs. That little blonde boy is Nick Carter of the Backstreet Boys. Oh, wow. Though uncredited, Carter himself has confirmed this in several interviews. Amy Jo. Jeff. What's your recommending this week? I'm going to recommend another album. Uh, this is called Trip the Light Fantastic by this artist, Fontaine. Yes. That's Fontaine spelled F-O-N-T-E-Y-N. Mm. It is like very neo-folk. So, I, but but in the way that it's like very much giving me like Carol King meets uh, like Joni Mitchell meets Laura Nero in this very like light lovely like sunny uh, in uh judy collins you know just like really yeah. like some some contemporary pop influences but like really just like in the pocket of this old-fashioned like 70s folk and it is just a delight so it's a quickie little album it's relatively new i think it's a yeah, independent yeah independent artist just in august yeah and it's I've really enjoyed listening to it. Um, yeah. So if that's at all something that sounds interesting to you, um, Helen Reddy, you know, all of those kinds of like vocalists from that era, late, late sixties, early seventies, it's called trip to the light. Fantastic by Fontaine. I'll second that and piggyback off it and say, uh, yeah, specifically go check out a girl on a motorcycle and darling. How do I let you know yeah. uh, the songs off that They're album, great. but go ahead and listen to the whole thing. Cause it ain't long. Jeff. Amy Joe. Uh, what are you recommending? I'm uh, keeping with uh, more spooky-ish things to recommend. I'm going to recommend, uh, which I, I just really haven't talked to other people that have seen it, but the AMC show, The Terror. It's an anthology show. Oh, yeah, show. I remember when you were watching that. So I did not watch the second season, which I know wasn't as critically acclaimed, but the first season is just like this old-timey, these, you know, character actors on this ship that, oh, no, it's frozen over and we're kind of stuck in this tundra. And oops, there might be some kind of creature out there. But your character actors are Jared Harris and Kieran Hines. Uh. And it's like a really fun, like, old-timey slow burn terror. Hence, 
the name. Um, but it's a very, you know, it's an anthology. So it's just one. Se- it's like what, 10 episodes or whatever it is. And then you're done. It's not no puzzle box. Seven seasons. What's the big mystery? It's one season. There's some kind of monster. There's a lot of infighting on this ship. People are dealing with lack of food and our ships are frozen in this tundra and tensions are getting high all while some kind of monster polar bear looking thing is hunting us. It's a good spooky so ooky time. Listen to it and then message Jeff so he has someone to talk to about For it. For the love of God. And that's what we're recommending this week. Da-da-da. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at analmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Find us on Instagram at analmoststarring and follow for our weekly shenanigans. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.